The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Oh, it's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> Welcome to Double Oz 7 for our monthly episode. Um, and as we promised last week, we are here to discuss Anthony Rossi's rankings of James Bond. No, Rossi still hasn't finished the series. So we got a backup. We are here to return to our official rankings, which was supposed to be our follow-up project to the entire watch-throughs that ended back in 2016, and we so far have gotten through three of them. <laughs> but we are bringing it back to discuss all of the pre-title Bond sequences and go through our own personal ranking and argue with each other and decide on what is ultimately averaged out as the greatest pre-title ranking of all time and averaged uh, pre-title sequence that's the lowest of all time. So we got 23 of them to cover here because, of course, Dr. No had nothing. The three blind mice did not get their action sequence to kick off the series. So we're going to be starting with From Rush With Love and moving our way up to Spectre. My name is Colin, and let's get this out of the way. Drop dead, Ben. And my name is Ben, and beg your pardon? Forgot to knock. <laughs> and my name is Noah. Um... <laughs> Get back, ben, Noah, I hate of course, you. <laughs> Noah, of course, as usual, could not be here today. Um, he's got important work to do because it's not like Ben and I ha- don't have jobs. Uh, exactly. <laughs> or fiancés or wives or children or he's, twins. He's only <laughs> single one. He gets to go off and actually have fun. We're stuck with people, all right? Like, you think, it's, I, think we have a choice? <laughs> I want it to be on record that... That's an excuse, and that Noah Groves just forgot how to speak the English language, and that's why he's no longer on these episodes. Uh, but we do have at least one comment from him, and we're hoping he's going to send in his full rankings that we conclude on the website at a later date. But we're here to do the pre-title rankings. Now, we started, well, let me see, Spectre finished, what, was it March or April of 2016? Yeah, got um, I mean, 817 episodes on one movie, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> something like that. And that was our... F- final recap and we immediately jumped into rankings so the first thing we did was let's rank the bonds six (laughs) bond actors or whatever yep uh we each went through our rankings and then we immediately jumped right back into rank the songs and then schedules got in the way and we started on commentaries to buy time which we've been (laughs) doing now for two years (laughs) three years sorry uh, with uh, one brief rankings episode, which our last one was the villains, if I remember right, a little over a year ago. Yeah, because apparently I'm dumb for not liking the sheep as much as you two. So yeah, yeah. There's always one that I'm the bad person at. I'm looking forward to this list as well. Don't well, worry. I can't wait to hear <laughs> "Man with a Golden Gun" as the number one pre-title scene from Ben Waterworth. Shit, how did you know? <laughs> there was a little bit of a pause there. It got me worried. We'll have to wait Yeah, and see. that's a joke. Lol, better not change my ranking. <laughs> shit, shit, shit. <laughs> but we do have, like, so many of these things. We're like, 
let's rank the climaxes. Climax. Uh, Climax. Let's rank the original scores. Let's rank the Bond girls. Let's rank the henchmen and so many like that. Uh, this could be a never-ending project. We just have to have the time to get through it. But pre-title scenes seems like a good place to start because it's the first thing we see in Bond. Um, uh, we could, I guess, we'll follow this up with the <laughs> Bond title sequences episode <laughs> and then the Bond post-title scene ep- uh, episode. But uh, have you ever sat down and worked out your ranks? Because this is something that I, when I got really into Bond, like in between World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day, I remember doing this you know, all the time and coming up with all these, all these rankings that we just talked about, like the, 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 you know, title sequences and the songs and all that working out my rankings over the years and every couple of years being like, Oh, what's the, what's the best, uh, you know, henchman of all time now. And, uh, I, I know that I've done the pre-title scenes at some point in the past, but yet when I look at my list, I don't know if I've ever really had a favorite pre-title scene, even though I'm sure I've done these rankings. Uh, because none of this seems that familiar to me. But have you ever actually sat down and done this or any other obscure Bond rankings? I don't, I don't think I've ever done the pre-title ones. I mean, I've definitely gone out and said, oh, this is my favourite pre-title sequence. I think if you remember back from one of the episodes, I, I remember saying that very vividly, and it's probably going to be reflected on my list. But, um, yeah, no, I don't think I have, because, um, you know, as I've talked a lot about through all our recaps and everything along the years, is that... You know, there are definitely some bonds that I've seen a lot more than others. I'm, I'm sort of it's it's rare for me to ever do a chronological rewatch of them, but which is something now that obviously I'm I will do every time there's a new Bond film coming out. Um, but yeah, so a lot of some of the older ones, kind of some of the the Bond films that I don't watch the most, I kind of would forget what the opening title sequence was. So it's kind of like, well, you know, my rankings are going to be very weird um, so yeah it's not this is definitely one of the the rank but I'm, I'm like you i'll just sit around and rank shit because you know <laughs> until you meet a woman you don't really do much do you <laughs> or after as or we after. Just came off of hours <laughs> of doing our greatest tv shows and movies of all times over on our sister show the oz network or or like um, um in my case you know i've had a couple um of them over the years since we've done this show so <laughs> i think the last time we ranked something wasn't i engaged to somebody else so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give it a couple of years there'll be someone new <laughs> and then you can rank all the women that you've given up <laughs> rankings for <laughs> <laughs> true uh, um, but this is interesting because as i was going through this um you know i noticed there's obviously huge differences between the classic ones you know from the the 60s where the pre-title scenes were literally just a scene you know maybe two three minutes and then we get up to the i would even say the roger moore era is where it started where it became almost a mini movie and these things could go like 10 minutes then we get the pierce brosnan's where one of them goes i think for 17 minutes um and then we kind of you know slow it down a little bit with the daniel craigs and they they become a little bit smaller again at least for the first two of them uh but even on top of that you have really tough ones i found where there's not even so much a pre-tell scene but there's like four or five little scenes that just sort of set up the plot and that's where it got a little bit complicated for me um but did you have any type of criteria in doing this like are there certain ones where you're like well you know i I, I can't rank this because there are too many scenes and which one do you pick? Is it just everything that happens pre-title or do you sometimes in those larger ones pick out one moment out of that? Like let's say something like The Spy Who Loved Me. Like you said, I can't remember everything that happens in Fear Eyes o- or sorry, um, You Only Live Twice 
or Spy Who Loved Me, all the little scenes, but I remember, you know, the 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 Union Jack jump and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I think I don't know if I really had a criteria. I probably found with this one, whereas I mean, I feel like we said this with the uh, the villains, maybe, but you know, the, the rankings that we've done, I feel like there's definitely some real shit ones, and then kind of you got your middle ground and then your top ones. This one, maybe, I think there's maybe only one, two really rubbish ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of, like, I, I would say that the bottom two are mine. I'm like, okay, they're shit. I can skip those and not, you know, like, lose any sleep. Whereas everything above that, it's kind of like, okay, well, like, these are decent. It's not that I hate them. And then you sort of got your top few, which personally to me are amazing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it, there's definitely some that are, are rated purely on the, se- like, one sequence. Absolutely, I would say that. There's, there's some, I mean, there's one in particular that it's from a movie that I particularly don't like. But I think there's mm-hmm. a there's a moment in it which is like okay that's so iconic there's no way you can't have that sort of you know past the middle point, um, but you know th- there's definitely some others which is kind of like the overall like my number one is is a purely overall aspect of it I mean my top ten really is that way, um, and then I mean there's going to be one I think where um, you know based on the movies uh, I've, you would go why have you got that ranked above the other one but there's just something about how they've done that opening sequence that I really like. So I don't know if that really answered what you asked me properly, but um, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's I, I didn't really have a criteria, but does Ben ever have a criteria? I don't think I ever have a criteria. I like Dying Other Days. So. Well, <laughs> in a way you actually indirectly boiled down my only criteria, which is that I'm, I'm merely judging it based on the sequence itself. Mm. And for some of these ones where it's not even so much just a fun pre-title scene, it is just to set up the plot. You know, I had to judge that based on, well, I don't care about whether this did a good job of setting up the plot later on. If none of this had anything to do with the plot, would I still rank this in the same spot? So I didn't want to get into the mess of, you know, let's say something like You Only Live Twice, uh, it, uh, which may come up very soon on my <laughs> I'm talking about a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many scenes in there, and they're all very important to set up what happens later on in the movie, but yeah. nothing that you see is particularly that grabbing. Whereas there are other ones where the movie itself is not something I'm even that big of a fan of. I mean, looking even just in my top five, there's at least one in there where I'm not a fan of the movie, but yet I can't deny how great the opening sequence is. And I think that's part of the fun of doing all these little rankings, because we know where all of our favorites are for movies and everything, but when we get to henchmen or Bond girls, the very top ones on my list are going to be from things where I'm like, man, I wouldn't give this movie credit for anything else other than these things, but it still belongs to be at the top of this particular list. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah, I think in, in summary, yeah, what you said and what I think too, yeah, I looked at these separately. I didn't, none of these did I go, oh, well, this has to be high because it's so important to the plot. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I purely looked on it based on the opening series. Like, it's just, to me, it's like if you're watching this as a mini-movie on YouTube and you don't know what happens in the rest of the film, that's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of alternate these differently. In the past, we, well, would have three of us here, so that's one thing we're cutting <laughs> out this time. Noah, you've been cut. Uh, but secondly we would each give a ranking so i would say this is my number 23 and then you would respond and then you would say this is my number 23 just to kind of speed along because there's not as much to talk about when a lot of these are two to three minute long scenes Hmm. we're going to kind of give groupings so we'll do 23 through 21 and after you've done your 23 to 21 we'll do five at a time so we'll do 20 through 16 then we'll do five at a time for 15 through 11 once we get to the top 10 we'll just sort of alternate one at a time because i think 
you've said, and it's kind of the same with me, my top 10, probably my top 11 are like, these are the really good ones. So those are the ones we'll have a little bit more discussion on. Are you ready? I am ready, locked and loaded. And um, I was trying to think of a funny Bond quote. So I'm just going to go with, <laughs> um, uh, fuck, I can't remember one. Um, it's just a bit of sport, Miranda. Yes, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say... We will count this down, even though it's not a commentary. It's going to be three, two, one, delicatessen, uh, in honor of Noah, who the only thing he gave us was about five minutes before we went to air here. Uh, he says, "I've been t- I've been busy at work, uh, but I'll let you know, um, or so let it be known, I don't like for your eyes only opening. So it's coarse and three, rough and irritating, and gets and everywhere. It gets everywhere." <laughs> So we will kick it off in three, two, one, delicatessen. Mm. And number 23 is not <laughs> for your eyes only on my list. Um, sorry, Noah. But my very bottom is something we just talked about about a month ago, which is Diamonds Are Forever. And this is the perfect example of it's just a grouping of scenes that kind of, I wouldn't even say they set up the plot. I mean, this this is an example of you're using this to tie up loose ends from a previous movie, which really has never been done. There's one other movie that does, it, I think quantum of solace in a way, but that's directly connected. So in this case, it's there to tie up on majesty's secret service. And even though I don't want to hold it against a movie, if you have these groupings of scenes and it sets up a plot, I don't want to judge it based on the plot. It sets up. You do have to judge it based on, following up a plot and we talked about this in the diamonds of forever commentary following up on her majesty's secret service and this is the first thing you see like they felt it was important enough to keep the continuity that they wanted to address tracy's death in an indirect way they wanted to address the whole uh, blofeld thing but it was just garbage the way they did it and it, it, blofeld in the the m- mustard mud bath or whatever it was <laughs> um connery just looking so old and uninterested uh, the, the worst fight scene with water guns. I mean, it's just there's nothing to like about the Diamonds Are Forever pre-title scene. So that's my very bottom. My second to bottom, I feel like I've said almost all I could say already. You Only Live Twice. Um, again, just a grouping of scenes that every single scene just sets up what's to come. And none of them are showing you anything particularly interesting. Some of these multiple pre-title scenes that we get at least one thing will do a good job of just showing you something that's interesting and grabbing you. There's one in particular that I can't wait to get to because it's the same type of pre-title sequence, uh, but it just handles it in such a better way. You only live twice, we get, what, like a spaceship swallowing a spaceship, which, okay, that's kind of cool, except it's done much better when we get to Spy Who Loved Me. But every single time I've seen this movie, I just sit there questioning, where is the camera that's floating in space that they're seeing this on? (laughs) Because it's just a camera floating there filming this all. Uh, And sure, you get like the Bond dying, which would have been a good twist. But everybody already knows Bond's in the movie. So if this had been done maybe slightly differently, if they had just had the Bond's death, maybe I would have liked it more and include the funeral in there. And then it it, would have been really interesting to see the pre-title scene with the whole coffin being put into the ocean and they end with a permission to come aboard. And then you kick into 
There's another movie where Bond isn't in it where, you know, I'm not going to um, penalize it in any way. But you get a cool concept with the fun house, but there's never really any type of excitement because you know that they're all mannequins he's facing and knickknacks great. And it's just there's not enough to really set up what's going on there. And the only real surprise is seeing the Bond mannequin or the surprise of he just shot James Bond. Oh, no, it's a mannequin. But it's just it's very late uh, in it where they even reveal that. And in the middle of the Roger Moore era, you know, I, I feel like this, like a lot of things with a man with a golden gun, it's kind of just an entertaining idea that was executed a little bit lazily. Well, um, a couple of these I might mention now. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, <go> into it? <laughs> my 23, am I meant to like say anything in response or am I just going straight into if mine? You have, well, if you have anything of substance to respond where you you may not say it later. Well, if you have an argument to make, maybe. <laughs> two of them I'm about to talk about, and one of them... Oh, right. One of them, well, is a little bit higher, but not overly high. Um, I'll just say, but number 23 will make Noah happy, uh, for your eyes only. Um, just, yeah. Like, I, I absolutely get Diamonds Are Forever, and I'll talk about that in just a moment as well. Um, but I just... Fiora's Eyes Only is the one that is just... And I know I kind of said, like, oh, it's got nothing to do with the plot and things like that. Like, you know, I take these separately. And maybe this is the one exception. Because it's just... it's It just doesn't fit the movie. It's just so bad. And it's just, like, this should have been Diamonds Are Forever almost. Um, even though that still wouldn't have been good. It's just the way it's, like, so over the top. And just, you've got random James Bond at his at um, the grave site and just all of a sudden there's a helicopter. <laughs> oh, no, nah, it's terrible. I don't like it. Fury's Only is terrible. It's the worst one. Followed by Diamonds Are Forever. I agree with everything you say. Uh, it just, you know, you're watching these back to back and you're watching an emergency secret service with such a great cliffhanger and then you've got this and mud and, you know, water pistols and everything. It's just, yeah, it's not good. And it just, every time I see... Um, Blowfield in that movie. I just, I always think of the line, you know, look what the cat dragged in. Um, so, you know, it's funny actually. We, um, in between watching, uh, doing our, um, our, our, what do you call it? Commentary. Commentary. Thank you. Uh, and this episode, uh, actually watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show, to which I now click that Charles Gray is the narrator in Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, is he? Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, it's Blowfield. It makes sense now that he dressed as a woman and look what the cat dragged. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I can see why he was cast in Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, nothing redeeming about it. Just not a fan. And yeah, I've also then got at number 21, You Only Live Twice as well. Um, there are definitely some of these ones with, you know, Bond not making an appearance and things like that. It's, uh, you know, and, and, and like killing him off and it's just stuff like that. And like, uh, I mean, You Only Live Twice is one of the movies I've seen the least as well, so it's kind of, it's not the one that I remember the most either, but I do remember enough of it to go, okay, that's not fantastic, and You Only Live Twice is just an odd film that I don't think any of us really were a huge fan of, it only comes down to you and I having baths and the great Nancy <laughs> Sinatra score, not the song. Um, so, and yeah, that space shot at the beginning, I don't understand it. So, um, thanks for old Dahl for ruining, you know, shit. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not, you're going to hate me for some of my choices coming up here. I oh, have, so you got to be the drop dead, is it drop dead column this time around? <laughs> well, but I will say, 
you perfectly summed up as like, oh, the first couple are this, the next couple are this. I mean, my first three are the ones where I'm like, yeah, those really aren't that good at all. The next five are all the ones where I'm like, yeah, they're good. They're just not great. So a lot of these could be interchangeable, and I'll kind of explain why I rank some higher than the others. But number 20, The Living Daylights. Oh, um, this you isn't just Dalton me hate. hate. God damn it's it, Colin Hilton. <laughs> it's not just Dalton. I'm going to uh, get him on the show, and he's going to be like, Colin, why do you hate me so much? Um, honestly, it's just, there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's a fun little side mission, but I don't feel like we're seeing anything we haven't seen a million times before. And even though I don't want to judge these versus the rest of the movie, you do have to judge them versus other pre-title scenes. And when you're looking at even just this era, if you go Octopussy and View to a Kill, you know, obviously those are a little bit more fun. Uh, but even when you get to License to Kill and then Goldeneye following that, I mean, they found ways to give you something that you haven't seen before. And it's not like we're getting any really insane stunts in this. There's kind of a truck chase. You're hanging on the back of a truck. A um, little bit of espionage in there. Bond dropping in. I, I just remember seeing for the first time when I was, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 when Bond drops in and then he delivers the first Bond, James Bond. And I had only seen three or four Bond movies up until that point. And I'm just like, is that it? You know, it's just, it, there's nothing that really, really grabs you. Although it's it's fine. It's passable for what it is. Uh, 19, A View to a Kill. Uh, this is the one that people hate on more than any. If you were to probably do a poll online, what is the worst James Bond? Movie? I, I guarantee this is one of these ones that come up a lot just because of the whole California girls. But I actually don't mind it. I feel like I almost want to rank this one higher um i won't though just because you know it's it is cheesy it's fun um it's not particularly exciting at any point but i i don't mind the whole california girls thing uh and and bond at the end where you know his submarine turns into the the big honeymoon suite bed and all that you know it's all fun um but we are dealing with a lot of the issues we deal with in a view to a kill where Bond himself is only shown in a couple of close-ups and the rest of it, you just got, you know, a stuntman and all that. So a few things that kind of just make it stick out a little as, you know, oh, okay, they're clearly covering for something in this. Uh, but still, I enjoy it a lot and I'm not going to hate on it the way most people are. Uh, 18, Quantum of Solace. This could almost be interchangeable with the same points I have with Living Daylights. It's a car chase. It's, it's not giving us anything we haven't really seen before. The only difference is, is that, it really starts on this great intense level and it helps that you're coming off of Casino Royale. Did you say something? I have burp? not said a single thing. Uh, please continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm listening intently. <laughs> it's, it starts very intense. What we get from there, there's a couple you know, cool driving shots, but again, nothing really spectacular we haven't seen a million times. It's just the context of we're jumping right into it and we're really going to, the movie never actually matches the intensity that that scene has. And I think that's one of the reasons why I rank this a little bit higher is that it kicks the movie off on the right note. Whereas I feel like living daylight, something felt a little bit lackluster about it. Uh, 17 license to kill, um, oh. huge improvement over living daylights. And again, I'm, I'm on the top end of the ones that are okay here. Uh, I love the plane stuff. Uh, I don't mind the wedding and all that. Um, 
but it's it's just it's okay. I don't really have much else to add on License to Kill except that it's just okay. Although it brought some fun back to James Bond, so if you are comparing this to other movies, at least you're starting this movie on a fun note. Unfortunately, there'd be no fun to be had after this. Uh, <laughs> this is the last moment of fun you'll get from James Bond in the 80s. Uh, and 16, Thunderball. Uh, this one definitely had to be the highest of my okay ones because we get the jetpack in there. It's something you haven't seen before. It's some, one moment that really grabs you. We get a little bit of the car gadgets and we get the guy in drag that Bond gets in a fist fight with, which of course leads to, you know, the Austin Powers. That's a man, baby, which we, uh, this is where it originates from. Uh, so although it's pretty stock standard, you know, the, the jetpack really puts it over the top, as does the car at the end. Wow. You really hate Timothy Dalton. Uh. <laughs> Jesus, man. I didn't think there was anything wrong with them. They're just not in my top ten. I'm sorry. The guy is Mr. Pricklepants. All right. Uh. <laughs> the best thing he ever did. You haven't seen Beautician and the Beast? Like, how dare you? I'm sure that would be in the top five and Bond somewhere maybe in the top ten. So wait, just to clarify, number 18, you had Quantum of Solace, right? I was listening to you properly yeah, there. Yeah, Quantum okay, of Solace. Right, okay, right. Yes. Just, just making sure, just making sure. Um, Number 20, so I'm going down to 16 here, right? 20, yeah. okay. Number 20, I have uh, Live and Let Die. Um, I'm not a huge, like... This is one of those ones I think that really ties in, obviously, to the overall movie. So you know, and like I'm not a huge Live and Let Die fan anyway. I've talked a lot about it. it's one. I think it's my, my bottom two or three movies. I'm just not a fan of it. And I just like I get what they're trying to do here. Something a little bit different. You're setting up the whole sort of voodoo aspect of things and killing off these people and setting up the whole Sam Monique aspect of it. But it just, it just to me, like again, we're ranking these as as entire sequences. You know, and sort of trying to separate them from the movie. And, like, again, you list these and you're like, okay, well, that's not... It doesn't stand out against a bunch of the other ones. And sort of into these ones now, which, as I said, like, really the bottom two were kind of the the really crap ones. And the rest is sort of like, okay, well, some of these are okay. I'm not going to say they're terrible. But, yeah, live and let die at 20. Um, 19, I don't know. Again, this is is from another movie that I'm not a huge fan of. But it's, again, not really to do that. And this has got, like, a really awesome action sequence with the plane in it, Octopussy. Um... It's just, it's just, Octopussy is just the ultimate meh movie. It's just there. It's just, it's just sitting there. It, you know, it's, it's like the, I don't know, the, the Romania of James Bond movies. Like, people know <laughs> Romania exists, right? Like, Romania is there in Europe. It's a, sure, it's a great country. But, like, average conversation during the day, like, you're around the water cooler and you're like, hey, Frank, let's talk about our favorite countries. Like, how great's France? <laughs> how great's, you know, England? Oh, they're great. Like, you're never going to go, like, oh, how great's Romania? Like, it's just, it's kind of there. Whereas it's like James Bond movie. Like, oh, how great is Diamonds Are For... Okay, no one's saying that. How great is Goldfinger? How great's Goldeneye? How great's Skyfall? No one's ever like, oh, how great's Octopussy? Except if you're Rossi, apparently. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> and I kind, of, I kind of feel like that's, like, the opening sequence of Octopussy. Like, you've got a great sequence with a plane flying through a building... I still... Didn't I make the argument that all those people died or he killed all those people in there? I can't remember the argument we had at the beginning of that episode. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but the point is, <laughs> it's just there, all right? I remember it for the plane. Um, sorry to all our Romanian listeners out there. Wasn't one of our Oswalds <laughs> Romanian? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Alina, she did, she did the original 007 logo. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's the one responsible for the picture of us as James Bond as our cover photo. Wow. Ben, you have a short memory. Um, hello, Alina. I think she just got married recently. Congratulations, Alina. I'm sure you're happy. Uh, she was she was the she was the Romanian of the Oslis. <laughs> <She's> there. 
just there. You talk about your favourite Oslets. Like, oh, I love Colin. <laughs> Lancey's great. It never comes up in conversation. That, oh, Helena, what a great Oslet. Um, <laughs> oh, shit, I'm not getting invited. Didn't We won an award, didn't we, in Eastern Europe? No, that was Czech Republic and Slovakia. It wasn't Romania, don't worry. Um... So where I'm up to? Okay, uh, 18, you just said it, a view to a kill. I'm the same as you. Like, it's so incredibly cheesy with California girls. But I think we talked about it in the episode. There's just something about it that I crack up laughing at. It's so funny. Like, I know I just said For Your Eyes Only is so cheesily bad because of the way they just randomly kill Blofeld. But this is James Bond on skis. And all of a sudden, they start playing California. There's just something so brilliant about it that it's so bad that, like, it just—it's just brilliant. And then when he's did the the bar, those are the Bartho sub that thing at the end of it, where all of a sudden he's got like what's a name in there, and it's just like, oh, looks like yep. they're stuck here forever. Like, come on, that's got to be like the absolute last true Roger Moore James Bond moment, maybe. And then like. Well- well, I mean, he didn't die. It so has to be, yeah. but like, but but like, <laughs> even then, you think about the Bond movies that came afterwards, and like, yeah, we had some great Pierce Brosnan moments, you know. <laughs> like, I thought Christmas only comes once a year, but like, I mean, come on, you know, I, I want, I want in Bond twenty five, I want a Beach Boys throwback. I want Daniel Craig, <laughs> like, I, I, they should have done in Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan on the iceberg. It should have been Surfing USA. Uh, <laughs> we'd all appreciate that scene then, I think, wouldn't we? Um, 17, you hate on uh, uh, Timothy Dalton a lot. I hate on Moonraker a lot. Uh, I mean, Moon- look, Moonraker again has got the great stunt falling out of the sky and sort of with Jaws and into the the shed. But, like, we've got better scenes jumping out of planes to come that are more iconic and... I mean, this just came off the back of The Spy Who Loved Me too, so it's kind of like they're just trying to like, oh, that went so well two films, uh, film ago, two years ago, so let's do this now. And, you know, like, I love Jaws, but, I mean, come on, the guy cannot survive that fall. <laughs> and this is the one which I think... I'm, I'm kind of glad Noah's not going to be on here, because I feel like you're going to go off me for this one anyway. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to go off me for this one. Um, Casino Royale. Now... Oh. It is great. Don't get me wrong. Like, it is great the way they do it and for the type of Bond film it is. Like, because obviously it's this gritty reboot. So, you know, you're kind of seeing how it is and it's all in black and white and it's just everything. But it's still... I know I harked on a lot about this during the Daniel Craig movies and I'm still going to hark on about it. There's no gun barrel. It feels odd. Like, I've gone into a Bond movie and I'm starting on a black and white shot of a hotel. It just... It feels jarring when you're so used to something. Um, so like, I I don't dislike it. I really now 16 and above, there's little that I can say I hate about these. Like I really do like the opening Casino Royale, but if I'm just, I like the other ones better. Cause again, I I like the old school style of Bond. I like a California girls being shoved in there. You know, I like kind of big over the top action set pieces that kind of really lead us into a great opening title sequence and a great song. And I see what they do with Casino Royale. I get it's a different movie. I get it's the reboot. But if I had to rank it when I am, I'm putting it at number 16. So, yeah. Hate on me all you want. Uh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate all of you. Uh, the only response I really want to give here is with Octopussy. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. It's not going to be my top. But, you know, you said it's like the Romania. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in all fairness, 
there are many, many people out there that would say Rene Russo is like the Romania of <laughs> 90s actresses. But to us, she's Rene Russo. And to me, Octopussy is Rene Russo and not Romania. <laughs> Most people won't understand it, but I see the appeal. Not quite as much as Rossi, but I see the appeal of it. Um, and Casino Royale, what's wrong with you? Um, I, I can kind of see some of the stuff you're saying with Casino Royale. Uh, but some of the things you say, I will defend it well, for later. So it's, we'll get I mean, there. I mean, it's, it is interesting because, like, where you've got Quantum of Solace, and like, I mean, it's coming soon for me, and like that—that's one that I obviously like better than Casino Royale. So we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> for the title sequence, not the movie, right? Oh God, no! Who likes the movie? Yeah. Jesus! <laughs> if, you're, um, if you're listening to this and you like Quantum of Solace, stop listening. Go listen to Spectre, etc. <laughs> Don't want your ears listening to this audio. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, going number 15 now. Um, I'm going to put For Your Eyes Only. Uh, now, this is higher than it is for you and Noah. But this is in the grouping, the ones that I actually really like. So I'm going to be mostly defending it here. Uh, because if you took the Blofeld thing out of this, if there was no Fofeld or whatever you want to call him, it was just some random villain in a wheelchair – and this entire sequence is exactly the same, people would love it a lot more. Because the helicopter stuff, it's incredible stunts. You know, Bond hanging off the side of it. You still get enough Roger Moore where it's not view to a kill with one close-up shot at the beginning and then the rest of it from a a kilometer away. Uh, But it's a great action scene. And I love the little nod to Tracy at the beginning of this too. Uh, and I don't even mind the whole Blofeld stuff. I mean, it, I think what drags this down is the fact that it's played for comedy instead of played even a little bit. I think you still could have played it a little bit for comedy, but not as much. When they throw in like the delicatessen line, it becomes so much of an in-joke for Broccoli, I think, that it, it, it loses a little bit of the humor because it just has you scratching your head. But for the sequence itself, I like the action sequence of Free Your Eyes Only. So I'll... Put it higher than you, but it's still not that far off from where you had it. Um, I guess it is a little far off from where you had it. <laughs> we're just breezing by here, but didn't even realize See, we it. We don't need Noah. Uh, this is why we take four hours on an episode. It's always bloody Noah's fault. Uh, 14, I'm putting From Russia With Love. And this is one of these ones where I really struggled. I wanted to put this in the top ten because everything about this scene is great. It's the first pre-title scene ever. It set the stage for what they were going to do for years. And in some ways, it's still one of the most daring ones because you're introducing Bond, but then not introducing him. You're introducing a villain in such a fun way, in such a Bond way that he just – he has a decoy set up that, of course, has to have a James Bond mask on because he would never be able to kill the man the same if it wasn't – and had they convinced this guy, you know what? You're going to go out there and you're going to be killed by Red Grant. But we need you to wear a Bond mask. And he's like, all right. <laughs> like, he just goes along with this. Uh, but but still, it's so James Bond-like. And, and what's great about it is that the movie itself is so serious. In some ways, you watch From Russia with Love, and it feels like a similar way that you described Casino Royale. It's jarring that it is so different and so not your typical Bond. But yet this pre-title scene feels so James Bond. Um, it's just the fact that it's so short and also – because we have become so accustomed to an action sequence or a pre-title sequence ends just with a bang and then it's immediately right into the theme music. This one just sort of ends with, you know, they give him his time two minutes or whatever seconds. And then they have this very slow zoom out 
that just makes it drag a little bit. But it is way too quick, which is why I have it as low as it is. The sequence itself is so ingenious. Uh, 13, I've got Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, I'm holding a little bit of fault here for it <laughs> just because you look what it's sandwiched in between. I mean, the, the Pierce Brosnan ones are up there with the Roger Moores is some of the best pre-title sequences out there. And this one is just the weakest of them all, I believe, even though it's it's pretty close to another one I'm going to talk about in approximately 30 seconds. Uh, but I love the whole bizarre sequence they have. And then the plane stunt at the end is great. Um, the energy with, you know, M and um, it's not Tanner at this point. Who's? Uh, oh, yeah. Snooty British guy number seven. Yep. Yeah, not Tanner. Uh, <laughs> Older, uh, not the, Tanner. The energy, yeah, the energy that they have, uh, you know, back at MI6 headquarters watching this is, it, it, it's just so much fun. And it just Pierce Brosnan's having a blast here. He's arguably having more fun in this sequence than he has in the rest of the movie too. And I actually think Pierce Brosnan probably looks like he has more fun in Tomorrow Never Dies than any of his other movies. Uh, bringing us up to number 12, which is Die Another Day. Look at you uh, and Die Another Day in your top half. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Honestly, <laughs> this movie should have just ended as soon as the, the, the pre-title scene ended. Because it's all downhill from there. I mean, the theme song and all that. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the invisible car. You know, there's so many problems. But really, there's nothing wrong with the pre-title scene. I mean, the surfing at the beginning, it's it's such a James Bond thing to see. Uh, and I love you know, Zhao's introduction. Zhao is one of my favorite henchmen. Don't blow it all at once. We've got great one-liners in there. It's not so much of its own mini-movie that it becomes distracting because I feel like the Pierce Brosnans just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you got to World is Not Enough, if you just tried to go bigger than that, it, it would have been too much. So they actually bring it back a little bit. Uh, and the hovercraft chase is so much fun, even if it is cheesy. Uh, you know, saved by the bell. I like. I actually love everything we see here. Uh, the best thing about it is that he gets captured at the end, and you know, I don't want to judge based on how it sets up the movie later on. But it's a cliffhanger, and this is the type of cliffhanger that didn't work in You Only Live Twice, where it was just so painfully obvious. Well, that's not right. He's not going to die. Here, you're actually questioning what's going to happen after this, and then the song had to come. Uh, but up until then, I'm totally with Die Another Day. So just quickly, just for our listeners, the song sounds a little bit like this. Oh, oh I love, love doing this doesn't. show. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like this. I heard the fart. Which is? <laughs> Can I, I just, Which is my number 11. Hang on, before you do that, I just also want to play this little clip for our uh, audience at home to hear what this Colin just said. Die another day. I actually love everything we see here. Yep, I love the joys of editing clips to make it sound like Colin likes Die another day. It's great. Wait, stop that. I didn't say that. I'm quitting this show right behind Noah. <laughs> number one, this die another day Noah's for everything. Good. Yes, welcome to Die Another Day Oz. <laughs> Yeah, well, the joke's on you. You have to do the work to edit that later. <laughs> I just get to hang up on this call, go on with my life. Um, yeah, so number 11, the Rene Russo of <laughs> James Bond's <laughs> Octopussy. <laughs> Why would Rene Russo ever been a Bond girl? I don't know, but people already know this, but we have to call this episode the Romania of James Bond. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>
so but sorry, Romania. Um, so this is now officially in my top half. And when I said like I've got probably just over 10 that like I absolutely love, I actually absolutely love the Octopussy opening sequence. Uh, the plain stuff you already mentioned, but even the little things prior to that, like, you know, Bond with the mustache and they they play it straight. It's not too much of a joke, which we do get in A View to a Kill, which, by the way, the, the funny thing is I was worried when I put A View to a Kill so low that you'd be like, no, no. You put it basically just as low as I did, mm. and yet I still feel like we both gave this more credit than most people <laughs> do. So I'm happy <laughs> with a view to a kill. But uh, no, Octopussy, the the back of the horse lifting up, <laughs> that's great. Um, and when he pulls up on the plane at the end, uh, fill her up, please. <laughs> and then the song came. Um, but uh, I'm still going to argue that there's not that many people who die in that plane thing uh the the hangar explosion but it's such a great scene and all the roger moores really had this incredible stunt to start it out and seeing that plane fly through the hangar i mean it's just nuts and there's so much speed there and um yeah i officially rank this among the ones that i absolutely love so renee russo we absolutely love octopussy and romania yes imagine renee russo imagine going on a trip with renee russo to romania that's like peak oh. life just... And watching a James Bond marathon. <laughs> yes, but not Octopussy, because no one will ever include that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. Um, number 15, uh, you might go off me for this one too. And again, I don't dislike the opening sequence of this. I just, It's just I had to with the ones I put above it uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service. Um, you, you know, it's... It's the way it's intense with the car chase and kind of the way the, you know, we've got this fight sequence on the beach and just everything and like, what, two deaths by canoes or whatever the hell that argument was in the beginning as well. Um, I was a neutral one in that one, I think. Didn't I just go in the middle and say, oh, one died, not both? Um, Noah was the one insisting everybody died. <laughs> I think, look, in all fairness, I think that to introduce a new Bond, I mean, we never had that, of course, in, in James Bond, a new James Bond at this point. It, it was it was a unique way of doing it, especially the way sort of, you know, the, the camera light goes up. Like, oh, James Bond, how are you, comma? <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously the fantastic, you know, this never happened to the other fellow line, which, but again, like, I feel it, as much as I love it and I don't want to talk it down, it does feel very odd that, like, he's breaking the fourth wall. Um, like, I mean... As much as I'm talking about Casino Royale and how much I, you know, appreciate that, again, it does feel odd. So I feel like it, it, it's appropriate for me to rank them basically both after each other, just above the middle point. So, again, I've got to rank... Maybe I do have a criteria. I'm going more sort of, you know, <laughs> different ways. But again, I don't dislike On A Majesty's Secret Service opening sequence. It's just other ones I like better. Um, I've got The Man With The Golden Gun next. I, I didn't realise that was going to be so low on your list. Um yeah, I get, again, no bond in it, but it's just there's something unique about it, and it's, it's tense. I like the tension with it, sort of how you're going through the funhouse and everything along those lines. And isn't it the statue of Roger Moore? Like, didn't we talk about how obviously bad it was that that's really Roger Moore and he can't really stand still or something like that? <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> just, <laughs> stand still, Roger! Um, so, yeah, but I, I don't know. There's just something unique and fun about it, and I love knick-knack in it, and it's just it's just intriguing. I like that real intrigue and mystery, which I feel Live and Let Die tried to do, but this one I feel more invested in, I think, because Live and Let Die is a bit more choppy all over the place, whereas this one I kind of I feel like I'm like, holy fuck, what's going on with this? I want to I want to know more. And it makes me want to watch more of the movie. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. <laughs> um, 
At 13, uh, Quantum of Solace, the highest maybe I'll rank Quantum of Solace on any list. I don't know. I, I really love how they went with the idea of this picking straight up after uh, Casino Royale. And this is, it's kind of like what you're talking about, Die Another Day, is that I really love the opening sequence of Quantum of Solace. And I think kind of like if, if they stop the movie there, like, you know, it kind of could be really good. But I just, the last time I watched Quantum of Solace with Mallory, like we watched it straight after Casino Royale ends. And it, it's one of these things where you, I don't know if you've ever done it, but you think you should do it. And it, it works really well. It's kind of like when you watch A New Hope straight after Rogue One, it kind of, it just, it's like, boom, it's perfect. It really just feels like you're watching a super extended movie. So I just really like it. I, I like the way kind of the camera sort of like flares and it's got like that sort of fade in on the car, the way it's zooming in and the stunt work on it all and just sort of green, uh, not green, fuck green, um, uh, Mr. White. There's always a colour involved in there somewhere. Um, green is the France of Bond villains. <laughs> <laughs> Runs away. He's the Saskatoon of Bond villains. He's a Prince Edward Island. Um, He's the Noah Groves of Bond villains. You know he was there at one point, but then every writer does what they can to write him out of everything. He was important for five minutes. And he drank some oil and died in the Bolivian desert. Um... Yeah, like I just, I just really like the Quantum of Solace opening. There's something about it. I always, though, it's. I think we talked about this, didn't we? That that shot when he's um chasing the guy and he falls down the building and he kind of spins up on the rope and points the gun up. I always think that's like the lead-in sequence to the mm-hmm. uh, Another Way to Die. But that was a trailer one. I think we kind of that's where you got confused. Yeah. With. Um, another one that I've got very close to you as well from Russia with Love. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of you're right. Like it's very short, but it's it's just. It's another one of these really intriguing ones, and I think kind of, you know, like, I feel like I'm punishing Casino Royale for being something different you're not used to, but this is the very first time we had a pre, you know, title sequence, and, you know, something that sets the bar for every single Bond movie moving forward with this, and it's kind of, you don't, you almost think, like, fuck, James Bond just died, like, you just killed James Bond! Um, But, yeah, like, just setting up uh, Red Grant, just everything along those lines, it's really, really good, so I, I really appreciate the From Russia With Love opening uh, and at number 11, this is the one I was talking about before with a movie that I don't particularly like, but I, I feel I need to have this higher just because there's one bit which I think is so iconic in the opening sequence. That's Thunderball. Uh, I mean, the jetpack. Like, I mean, God, when you mm. when you see any James Bond sort of montage moment, you always generally see him with the jetpack. They obviously paid homage to it in um, uh, Die Another Day. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love the punching the, like, the funeral thing. Like, again, Austin Powers has ruined that sequence, of course. But uh, it's, it's just like, that's very James Bond. Like, you know, a spy kind of like at a funeral and kind of dressing up as a thing and a, a woman, not a thing, Ben. Um, so, yeah, I, I just really appreciate the Thunderball opening. And just, again, it's, it's, it's so over-the-toply cheesy that he escapes with a jetpack. <laughs> like, it's just so James Bond. So, yeah, I really appreciate the opening. Similar to Quantum of Solace. Like, if only they'd stop the movie there. Uh, well, I actually have a couple of rebuttals here. So, now we oh, can get oh, into it. Um, here we go. First, I just want to... This is not even on the rankings, but I'll talk about our Magic Secret Service later on. I'll forget if I don't say this, but um, I had... Uh, watch this when we moved into our house here and uh the next day casper had grabbed the case and was like this this like wanting to watch but he didn't know what it was he just saw a new dvd case and said i want to watch this i'm like you're not gonna like this and he started crying because i wouldn't put it on so i put it on 
And for the record, he laughed hysterically when the canoe fell on the two guys. Uh, so there is no way that's a death if a three-year-old finds it hysterical. Well, he was, I don't know, it he could was, be he was three at the time. He, was, he wasn't even three years. <laughs> it's an evil canoe or evil, no, or evil laugh. Casper's was evil. He's like, ah, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, anytime he watches like a cartoon and somebody cries in it, he laughs at them crying. So maybe there's there something to go. that. Who knows? He's evil. But I'm saying no death by canoe (laughs) anyways um i find it really interesting like you said you know i'm a huge thunderball fan i think i ranked that in it was in my top 10 at least and it was very low on yours and yet you have it considerably higher than i have it on mine um and then same thing with the man with the golden gun you know you're much higher than i have it on mine i I think we're probably about even for where we like the movie but Mm. what i found really interesting is that what you said about the man with the golden gun was almost the exact opposite of what i said where you said it was really tense and i said it was lacking tension and i don't even know the full reason why I, i can kind of theorize that we're just introduced some random gangster we have no invested interest in they did that before and i never connected the dots until you did these basically back to back but they just ripped off the from Russia with love pre-title scene and did it for man with golden gun. It is the exact same thing, just different environment. And I think the, the fun house is, you know, a really great idea. It's something different, but maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't appreciate it as much because I have seen it perform from Russia with love. And I think from Russia with love did it better. It's kind of a, that that's Colin Hilding's review for the force awakens, by the way. They did it before, just better. <laughs> they, they did it before, just better. That's why I don't think I appreciate it as much. <laughs> um, we're into the top ten now, so we'll alternate one at a time. Uh, my number ten, you've already talked about. Don't know how much you'll have to say or argue with me on this, but Casino Royale. I do mm. agree with you that it is, like you said, jarring. It's so different. I remember seeing this for the first time and not really knowing what to think of it. I think that everybody had had it in their head, well, we know we're going to get to see how James Bond became a double O and it happens here and it's so quick and we're not really getting like a big action sequence. We're not even getting any real suspense. You know, from the second that this guy reaches for his gun and there's no bullets that he's dead. It's the dialogue and the, the back and forth with seeing that bathroom fight. That's so good. And I love that it's in black. Probably in black and white is the smartest thing ever because we have to remember this is 2006. Only one movie had ever, really done a reboot before there had never a reboot wasn't something that really existed batman begins it at one year before but casino royale was already in production by the time batman begins came out and i remember us talking about this on the casino royale episode people had no idea what i remember people would be like well it doesn't make sense because what about the pierce brosnan's what about this he was already double o and same thing with batman begins i remember people people thinking well they have a tease for the joker at the end but he already like People couldn't even wrap their head around this is not the same continuity. So doing it in black and white made it so much clearer to the audience. And that's one of these weird things that gets lost you know, now 13 years later is that you have to have it in black and white because the audience wouldn't understand what a reboot was. Um, but even just the sequence itself, like I love the back, the back and forth dialogue between him and this guy and just the fact the guy knows he's about to die. So whereas if we had done this 10 years ago, even I probably would have had Casino Royale closer to the low teens. I'm ranking it much higher now. Cause I just, I, I appreciate so much more how different it is, um, and, and how effective it is without really showing you anything other than a quick bathroom fight scene in flashbacks and then one gunshot. And then just the fact that it just ends on one line, just how cool James Bond is. Like it, it's, it's 
the perfect introduction to a James Bond. This is what I don't think we got with Living Daylights. I um I honestly thought you were going to have this high. I thought this was going to be like in your top five or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, like as you said, the first time you see it, you kind of you, you I remember yeah seeing it the first time. I was like, what the hell's going on? And kind of. It's just interesting because it's, it's kind of like, you know, when, when Disney started doing the Star Wars. We're talking a lot about Star Wars, by the way, because we're recording the <laughs> Star Wars ones for the Oz Network. Download them later on in the year, people. Um, but, like, when you go into episode, when you go into The Force Awakens, you you still know you're going to get the opening text crawl. Like, you still know what you're mm-hmm. going to get. It's like when you saw Rogue One, you kind of were a bit jarred by it, but then you can understand that Rogue One and Solo don't have it because they're not episodes. They're, you know, story movies. But, like, it's, it's to me, it's kind of like if you had gone into The Force Awakens that they hadn't opened with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and the text, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, you'd probably get over it. Like, I've gotten over it, yeah. sort of. Um, but, like, you know, you, you, you're just so used to a formula with a movie that that's where it's kind of like, whoa, what just happened? But we should talk also about the fact that, like, we, we mentioned a lot, there's no gun barrel or whatever. I still stand by. I don't mind the gun barrel at the end of Quantum of Solace. And... I remember just loving, even the first time I saw this, the fact that the final shot of the pre-title scene is Bond turning to the camera and kind of doing the pose that we get with the gun barrel. And then the gun barrel is incorporated into the main title scene. This is like what I mentioned with From Russia With Love, where it just sort of ends and it drags on a little bit. And it's not like this big bang finish to it. They found a perfect way to have this bang finish and give you a little bit of the taste of the gun barrel without actually really having any other action in the, the whole sequence. Meh. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> Drop dead, Ben. <laughs> uh, number 10, because uh, one of us here has to defend the amazing Timothy Dalton. I have license to oh. kill. Um, Wait a second, you haven't mentioned any Dalton. They're both in your top 10? Damn fucking straight. They are. And all the Pierce Brosnan ones, so suck it. Uh, <laughs> you knew they were going to be in there. Come on. Um, I, I, like... I honestly thought I would have this higher than Living Daylights because I like Living uh, License to Kill more than Living Daylights. But I, the thing I really like about License to Kill is just like the the backdrop, like the the location, sort of in the what, like the Florida Keys and kind of all the bridges, like it's just and the way they catch the plane and just everything about it. It's just this is what I love about Timothy Dalton movies. They kind of they mix a bunch of seriousness with a bunch of fun and fuck you, Timothy Dalton's amazing. Um, but I I really like it, the wedding sequence and just. Oh, it just it makes me smile because I really like the opening of License to Kill and it goes into a great song. Fuck you, License to Kill is a great song. I'm gonna license yeah. to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and Sanchez, just anytime Sanchez is on my screen, I'm a happy man. So yes, License to Kill is always gonna be in the top ten. It's a great film. It's a great movie. Happy twenty year anniversary to License to Kill. Thirty year anniversary to License to Kill. <laughs> um, it's an okay opening sequence. Like I said, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I don't love it though, and it's probably the thing I like best about the movie though. So I'm not going to argue <laughs> with you too much. What about Dylan? Uh, <laughs> now that should should have been part of. Imagine if the let's we'll do a little bit of speculating here, and I'm going to do it on my next one. But imagine if the pre-title sequence actually rolled over into that, and it ended with the whole Dylan <laughs> with her death. That's what we got like with Die Another Day. It, it would have been a great ending to it. I actually think that that would have bumped this up on my list a bit more. It would have made a little bit too long, but you could have cut out some of the, you know, Bond flirting with Della stuff and just ended with her dying. I don't know. We better uh, have that Bond 25. I expect Felix to come back. He's married to Della and she gets attacked by a shark. Yeah. So <laughs> Daniel Craig can be like, Della! 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 Sorry! Or, Della! Or <laughs> Jeffrey Wright would just be, 
Della. <laughs> Get that fruit of Della. I don't like the fruit. <laughs> I want the Della. Hold the fruit. <laughs> That's why I eat the peppers. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I love Jeffrey Wright. Uh, anyways, my number nine. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more uh, armchair quarterbacking here and say that this could have been even higher because you already mentioned Moonraker, I guess, the things that you thought were just okay about it. I think that this fight on the plane and the skydiving sequence, if this were all we saw, this would have been at least a couple spots higher for me. But similar to like You Only Live Twice where I don't really like that it's just putting things in there to set up the movie and we have almost too many things going on. We really only get the whole hijacking of the Moonraker in here. It, you could have cut that out and just included it as soon as the movie started. I, I just I feel like this is the perfect action sequence start because we already had that stunt in Spy Who Loved Me, and here like we're gonna have a stunt just as crazy, but have it go for two, three, four minutes, and. We've never really seen something like skydiving in a James Bond movie. And, and it's, if there's another downside to it, it's the fact that it does end with kind of that embarrassing thing with Jaws crashing into the circus tent and everything. Um, but the sequence itself is so much fun. Uh, I think you kind of undersold this. I mean, the stunt work is just unbelievable. This is on par with what we saw on The Spy Who Loved Me. Maybe even in some ways more spectacular to watch than what we saw on The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, it just wasn't necessarily – it didn't have that big punch because the spy limit was one incredible moment at the end, but this was dragged out a little bit longer, but I love Moonraker. I don't know what you're talking about. And you like this movie more than I do. (laughs) Moonraker. I don't, I hate Moonraker. It's the worst Bond movie of all of them. (laughs) (laughs) You hated Moonraker. No, I do. That's like my number 24. Like, ugh. (laughs) that's, that's the Timothy Dalton of James Bond movies for you. (laughs) The France of James Bond movies to me. (laughs) The New Zealand of actually I shouldn't say that I'm in there. Whoops. Um, it's the it's the um, what's a country? It's a North Korea. No, North Korea is okay. Um, I mean, it could be. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't have anything to say because I I already ranked it beforehand. I don't, I don't disagree with you about the stunt work. I mean, the stunt work's incredible. I'm not taking away from the stunt work. It's just uh nine you've already talked about it. actually just looking at our list here quickly there's only two that i've talked about that you haven't and it looks like our top five or so will be very similar so there you go that's good oh, yeah. um tomorrow never dies i have at nine i agree with you it's the weakest of the brosnans um but like you said like all the brosnan opening sequences are just epic like i i reckon we've done this on a few of these things didn't we like with the villains and the songs and that sort of stuff like on average brosnan probably has the best opening sequences like when we work out these averages so um again backs my fact up best bond ever um (laughs) but i i still like as even though it is the weakest of all the uh the brosnan opening ones i still really like it i like sort of the the sequence with the jet i like kind of him sneaking around the the airfield I, i love the way you know yeah m working with older not tanner and it's kind of like what the hell is he doing his job it's kind of like yeah Fuck you. Um, and I also love the, like, I love these ones where they kind of, and it was a Brosnan thing, wasn't it? The way they sort of took their time in actually showing Brosnan. So kind of like, yeah. you know, when you're just seeing like, our man sneaking around there and it's like, what's that? A nuclear weapon? No, you can't go in there. And then you oh, just so good. C- kind of see that guy smoking and then he just kind of like, <laughs> filthy habit. Oh no, no, he does that later in, um, 
later on, doesn't he? Oh, he does it like twice in this movie. No, Pierce Brosnan hate, he yeah, hates smoking in Tomorrow Never Dies, does Pierce Brosnan. Um, so, yeah, it's great. I love it. and um, But still, I love it a lot. But it's still the fourth of all four of the Pierce Brosnan movies. And you're right. He looks... Pierce Brosnan just looks like he's having fun. He just... He loves life, does Pierce Brosnan. Like, what a man. It's so weird. <laughs> because Pierce Brosnan himself has said in interviews, like... Uh, I think it was on the Everything or Nothing documentary. It was like, yeah, you know, I love the first movie. It's like, ah, uh, the other ones, they all kind of just, you know, blend together for me. But I'm serious. Watch every moment of Tomorrow Never Dies. And Pierce Brosnan looks like he's having more fun than he had in even Goldeneye. Uh, and I, I could almost say the same thing for World Is Not Enough, except the World Is Not Enough just happens to be a more dramatic movie. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I actually forgot about how, even though we watched it recently, I forgot about how they had that whole thing where you're not seeing him in the beginning and they're just talking about him and you had him on the other line. It's like, no, no, what's that about? What, what? No, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that may have sold it a little bit more for me. I don't know if it would change my rankings, but I, I, I appreciate that. Oh, he's so good. Um, I, I just want to, I want to go to Romania with him and Rene Russo. Like, the Thomas Crown <laughs> Affair. We could, we could yes, play Thomas out the Crown Thomas Crown, Crown Affair. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing that movie next year, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come on, Pierce um, Brosnan and Rene Russo in a movie together? That's like porn for us. <laughs> um, so my number eight, this is... I've talked about it so many times. Uh, the biggest jump I've had in fandom for a Bond movie as a result of simply doing this podcast, uh, which is Live and Let Die. Uh, this went from, before we started the podcast, being easily in my bottom three movies to, it's not still not a top ten for me, but I appreciate it so much more. And the pre-title sequence, I also think that I didn't, li- for the same reasons I didn't like You Only Live Twice originally, I didn't like this. Because it's probably three or four scenes that all set up the plot. I mean, we have... The you know San Monique sacrifice thing. We have the assassination um, in the um, uh, what, what are they called? Um, the what? The Union? The UN? The United Nations? Is that what the you're United about? Nations? Yeah, I'm the like, Union. The Union. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what really makes this for me? Because here's one where it's not only just that we don't see Bond as in like Man with the Golden Gun had. A James Bond mannequin or from Russia with love it wasn't actually James Bond it was a guy in a mask there is no James Bond in this title sequence and yet nobody really faults this the same reason they do with something like man with the golden gun and I think it's all because of this jazz funeral um <laughs> and that's what I love more than anything in this title sequence and uh, I think you could have cut the other two had just the jazz funeral and I probably would have ranked this close to just as high. And I think the 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 Union death uh, is just okay. But I also love the Samanique sacrifice as well. But this jazz funeral alone just makes this for me. Yeah. I mean, I forgot about the jazz funeral, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it just, it just... Oh, it's in your top ten, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Move it up now. Uh, no, I'm just... Yeah, just, it's just... It's higgledy-piggledy. It's... There and there, and it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's just too much crap going on for me to care. Like, it's kind of like, <laughs> I like it solid. I like it all in one go. And I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have it 12 spots lower than you, so I talked about it. <laughs> I mean, there's only one now that I've talked about that's not, that's going to be in your top 10, that's not in my top 10. So, um, what am I up to? Number eight, uh, The Living Daylights. Uh, the Living Daylights. Aha are coming to New Zealand. 
with Rick Astley. I kind of want to go see oh, them. Oh, wow. Look <laughs> you. Not coming in for Cargill, sadly, but, uh, you Is know. Sheen Easton opening? <laughs> you know, the, the funniest thing is, is the way they talk about AHA on the radio, it's like fucking, I don't know, um, Bon Jovi are coming to New Zealand or something like that. <laughs> they're, they're talking them up like they're the biggest band of the 80s. And I'm thinking, like, they do know they had, like, one and a half hits. Like, uh, like everyone knows them. For... Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the biggest concert tour to hit New Zealand since the Spin Doctors. I just want to point out, you two were touring here. Uh, Queen with Adam Lambert, Fleetwood Mac with Neil Finn, not Lindsay Buckingham. And, like, all the old bands come here and everyone's, like, losing their shit. Meanwhile, like, uh-huh. Billie Eilish and the big, like, Drake are touring the rest of the world. And meanwhile, New Zealand are fin- finally, after 30 years, you too are coming to New Zealand. <laughs> but oh, it gets better. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we just got that song on the radio, Brew. Uh, <laughs> take on me, it's number one. Um... I really like the way they kind of set this up with this training exercise. Uh, and it's just, it's just entertaining to me. Uh, and I, I just love the way kind of, you know, all of a sudden it's just people are getting shot left, right and centre and they're really dying. <laughs> and it's just Bond jumping on the truck and Timothy Dalton doing his own stunts because he's awesome. And then I, I know Noah and I really talked up the, you know, the Bond, James Bond, the way he like lays in the boat with that woman. And what does he like pick me up in t- Is this where he says like pick me up in 10 or better make it 20 or something like that? Or yeah. he drops that line. I really love it. I just, I just love the way. It's just a great introduction introduction to Dalton and the guy's just attractive and amazing and oh I want to go to Romania I want to add him to my little itinerary he's coming with Renee and Pierce he can talk Mr. Pricklepants he can tell me how Fran Drescher really was you're not invited um, <laughs> the only thing I really have to add on this again I have nothing against the sequence I just feel like and I I like the idea of the training exercise that becomes a real mission like that espionage part of it but it just to me feels like it's not quite fun enough to be played just as a fun opening sequence and it's not quite dramatic enough to be played as a dramatic opening sequence. It, it feels like it should have gone more one way or the other and it would have been a little bit better. It's just sort of it's, – it's perfectly caught in the middle of not having the right tone but still being okay and slightly entertaining. Um, what do we have? Number seven. Uh, so this one – another one where I thought, oh, I could have put this a lot higher but Skyfall – uh wow i i love everything about the sequence for skyfall the ones that i have higher than this are just ones that i happen to love a little more um you know here we have a little mini mission this is the first real traditional james bond pre-title sequence we get because daniel craig like cinerale was meant to be something different quantum assault was meant to be something different this was meant to be a big james bond this is a roger moore style a pierce brosnan style pre-title scene and uh, you know the, the the stunt with the the cars in the beginning is great. Uh, the uh, whole environment uh, where they're filming and where did they film this again? Uh, was it Turkey? Did they yeah, actually film it in go- Turkey or? Yeah, the, I mean the marketplace that they're driving through. I love that as just an environment. The tr- one of the greatest James Bond. If we eventually do a rankings of greatest James Bond shot of all time, I am one hundred percent putting. Daniel Craig dropping into the ripped apart train car and fixing his cuffs like that is the best thing we see here. Uh, and one of the greatest things that we've, I've ever seen any James Bond do. And just the whole idea with Money Penny as we find out, you know, take the shot, take the shot. You know, it's it's so great. 
and then James Bond getting shot. I mean, I really have nothing bad to say about this. It's just the, the ones that are going to be higher, I'm going to be a little bit more positive on. Uh, and maybe it's just that enough time has passed with a lot of these that they've grown on me more. But now I'm kind of in my rankings where it's like, this is a perfect pre-title scene. I thought this would be a lot higher on your list because, yeah, but it's a bit higher on my list. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you say, and I'll talk a little about it more soon. Um, and according to what Roger I just do, Moore. I will talk about it Roger Moore soon. Um, it, the opening sequence was actually filmed in Turkey and set in Turkey. Mm. So um, I've always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. So, and it <laughs> came twice. So <laughs> you know what I'm trying to... Yeah, all right. Um, number seven... Die another day. Uh, you were probably worried this is going to be number one, but I still appreciate the fact that you had it at number twelve. That makes me happy. Um, yeah, I just, I think I do remember you talking this opening sequence up when we did the the four hour episode. Um, but yeah, like hovercraft chase, like the one Bond movie to finally get a hovercraft chase correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm absolutely with you. Like I love all the one liner puns. Like it's so great. Uh, even the surfing is great. Like, the one surfing sequence in this movie that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And just, like, Brosnan still looks like he's having fun. Like, he looks a bit older, but who cares? A guy can pull it off. He's still attractive and great. And just, I love kind of the, the setup with Zhao and uh, Colonel Moon. And just, I love, I also love him when he's punching the guy in the thing. And he's like, I need a new anger therapist. And he's just like <laughs> kicking the shit out of a guy in a boxing bag. Like, this guy is pure evil and amazing. Um, all the nice Ferraris and everything that's sadly going to get destroyed in the movie. Uh, the music, the way the kind of, you know, it goes with the chase. And I love the way he's sort of like Brosnan shooting the landmines up into the sky and everything along those lines. And but just, and just it's maybe the... Is, it would it be the only cliffhanger ending of a, a Bond opening sequence because obviously, like, he gets captured and then it's sort of, you know, whether you like the song or not, I'm not going to get into how great the song is again, but I'm sure when we can talk about the opening sequences, like, it's, it's a very unique sequence in the fact that we've got a scene going on through with it, so it kind of continues on in the sequence when he's getting tortured and everything. So, yeah, I, I and I think Die Another Day opening sequence is... And I, I did read a list of rankings. Somebody had ranked these and... Even they said, like, look, the movie's terrible, but you, you can't help but appreciate the opening sequence. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are positive things you can talk about Die Another Day, at least one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and action-wise, the action in Die Another Day is great. There's nothing, even in the later parts of the movie, there's nothing you can knock about the action stuff other than some of the weird slow-mo shots that Lee Tamahori mm. put in there. Uh, but I still argue, like, everything we see here, it's not even just a joke of, oh, it's all downhill when Madonna starts. Everything we see up until the titles is still the best stuff in the movie, um, and I don't. And I'm not even knocking because I think there is a lot of good stuff in here. I even think that the car chase in the ice palace is great. It just ends with the dumb invisible car, but uh, you know, otherwise, it, it can't really say anything bad about this. Uh, we're gonna have very similar top sixes here. <laughs> yeah, it's only only on a Majesty's Secret Service that you haven't ranked yet. Otherwise, we've ranked everything. So, well, on that note, number six on our Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. <laughs> There's only one in our um, top six that, like, is different. Wow, crazy. And, and here's the thing. Um, obviously, I've said so many times, Honor Majesty's Secret Service always has been. since I saw this movie for the first time probably almost 20 years ago. And from 20 years ago until now, it has always been my favorite James Bond movie. 
never never for one moment after I saw this for the first time did I ever say any James Bond movie would be better than this. I can't even say that for Star Wars. I mean, my favorite Star Wars movie has changed, uh, you know, over the years, over even last, you know, probably ten years. But movie aside, I don't think I ever held this pre-title scene in such high regard until recently. Uh, and it's one of these things that I think grew on me over the years because I feel like it, it's it's the perfect example of how you can keep it short and still have it just be fun and it has the right tone for the movie. In fact, in some ways, I mean, it's it's probably the lightest tone that this movie would have from this point on uh, because it does get not even just dark but very serious after this. And yet it doesn't it, it doesn't lose the seriousness you're going to have. Like Tracy walking into the water in such a subtle way you get. This is a woman who's trying to kill herself and Bond's just saving her. And then – what you were talking about with uh, like Man with a Golden Gun, just there's a little bit of like mystery to it, like what is going on here. That's what I love about you know Bond rescuing Tracy from the ocean, and just having such a different location too. Uh, the fact that the way that they had with Tomorrow Never Dies, where you don't see Bond right away, we're not seeing a close up of Lazenby really until he says, "My name is Bond, James Bond," and I don't think he has the best delivery for "My name is Bond, James Bond." I just think it's a better introduction than what we got with Dalton in Living Daylights. Uh, but then the fight scene on the beach with the, the canoes, I mean, jokes about death by canoe aside, I think the fight scene's incredible. It's probably one of the last really gritty Bond fights we're going to see until the Daniel Craig era. And then just Tracy pulling out of there. I mean, you don't even realize this is part of the movie yet. And I, I love the whole this never happened to the other fellow when I watched it a couple months ago when Casper was laughing at the guys dying by the canoe, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just was really struck by how good this small little title sequence was and how perfectly it fits with the rest of the movie while still, I think, bridging the gap for the people who were coming off of the cartoony stuff with Sean Connery where it wasn't too much of a drastic change. So I, I just love this. And yet if I had done this five years ago, I doubt this would have even been in my top ten. I mean, I talked about it. I can't disagree with anything you said. I just have other ones higher than it. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, my name is Bond. Um, I do love the fact that George Lazenby now is on social media. Can we just point that out? If people don't yeah. realize he's on like Facebook and stuff and um, he shared, I actually noticed he shared another podcast um, recap of Honor Majesty's Secret Service the other day saying like, great recap, you know, really enjoyed it. I feel like we need mm-hmm. to like send it to him. Like, listen to ours, James. Uh, James, we'll call you James. So look, we still call you James. We still think you're James Bond. So <laughs> listen to ours. It's better than Romania. Um. And we we offered how much was it in cash for him to be on the show? <laughs> like a hundred bucks or something. <laughs> so they wanted a little bit more for him to appear, but um, <laughs> well, what we can afford? We would offer. We yeah. have Spectre, etc. We don't have listeners. <laughs> They've been cancelled for three years. Neither do they. <laughs> Bond 25, etc. Coming soon. Uh, <laughs> Shatterhand, etc. <laughs> can they hurry up and release a title already? God damn it. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, they're going to have it by the time you've edited this episode. Probably. Oh, breaking oh, news. You know what? Here, here, this is where I can put you to work editing. Don't you love the new title of the James Bond movie? Die another day. That's sort of like the, the Simpsons. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I'm just going to play the Die Another Day theme song in there. I hope you realize that. (laughs) Actually, I'm just going to add Pierce Brosnan in there saying, like, you live to die another day. Uh, (laughs) God damn it, make me work and do editing. The new title of the new Bond movie. (laughs) Thought I'd forgotten, bro. It's never happened to the Oz Network. Uh, (laughs) 
all right, number what are we up to? Six. Um, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Um, you had a great start from Russia with love, but you know, as Goldfinger does with pretty much everything, it sets the absolute standard when it comes to everything that is a trope of James Bond. Um, you know, coming out of the water in a wetsuit to have a bloody tuxedo underneath it. There's a fucking floating duck. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like people talk about like James Bond jumping the shark and being terrible with California girls playing. He had a duck on his head in Goldfinger. <laughs> like, he saw the reflection of a man trying to kill him through a woman's eyeball. Daniel Craig's not going to have a duck on his head, is he? And I bet you if they did, they're like, oh, that's groundbreaking cinema. Daniel Craig has a duck on his head. But, like, this is what makes it amazing because, like, you know, you have Dr. No from Russia with Love, two fairly serious films. Um, and then here you have Goldfinger, which just, you know, creates this amazing vibe for what James Bond movies, to me at least, and a lot of people should be. Um, and it's just... You know, he's a bit Batman with the grappling hook as well. Um, just, you know, he's so suave and Bond-like. And, yeah, the, having the reflection in a woman's eye. <laughs> and then we get the shocking line. Like, oh, come on. What's not to love about Goldfinger? Um, yeah, again, I would have it higher. But to me, there's five better ones than this that I appreciate more. But, I mean, you know, really the top six, top ten, really, to me, are just perfect opening sequences with really little wrong with them. Uh, I was starting to wonder if we'd have the exact same top five, but uh, we don't. So um, I'll be talking about Goldfinger very soon because we only have so much time left. Uh, my number five, The World Is Not Enough. Um, and I'm going to put this on the record. There's been a lot of these ones where I've said, okay, if they had cut this one part of the opening sequence out, I still think it would be just as high. Uh, this obviously is the biggest. And it almost feels unfair to rank it because it is – a mini movie. This is what 17 minutes long or something. And it wasn't even meant, it was meant to end with him jumping out of the window, uh, with the briefcase. And, uh, or I think it was actually supposed to extend past that maybe to the explosion. Like, I can't remember whether it was actually supposed to end with him jumping with the briefcase or the explosion. Either of those, I still think I put this in my top five. Cause I just feel, feel like even just the office scene, it's just perfect in the same way that honor Majesty's secret service is simple, but perfect. Uh, the fact that he ties himself to this uh, and, and jumps out, that's that this great, uh, you know, seeing the guys flop all over the floor, uh, you know, just the overall demeanor that Pierce Brosnan has. Uh, it's just he feels more James Bond-like, like classic James Bond-like here. As much fun as he has in Tomorrow Never Dies, I honestly believe that Pierce Brosnan was the most James Bond-like in World's Not Enough. And even that opening scene in The Office is just great. Uh, and you know, the stuff with the, uh, the explosion with the money, you, you get the, the residue on his fingers. Like there's, there's mystery stuff going on here. It's like a detective story. Uh, then you get into the stuff that wasn't even supposed to be part of this where they actually just said, you know, I feel like we need something bigger after golden eye and tomorrow never dies. And they said, let's keep it rolling. We'll end it with him, you know, falling from the hot air balloon or whatever. But this boat chase, uh, same thing with Moonraker. I mean, it is one of the greatest action sequences you will ever see in a Bond movie, and it's just part of the opening sequence. This blows away anything they've ever done in any of these. Like, well, there's maybe 
No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll say, yeah, of all pre-title scenes, just for the action part of it, this is the best we'll see. Uh, I was kind of torn between uh, Moonraker, Spectre, and this. But I think the boat chase is, is just incredible. Like, when we get the boat flipping, and, of course, the straightening his tie underwater, I mean, it's so good. It almost runs on too long, and I feel like I'm I'm penalizing it for the way where I said it shouldn't be penalized because it is 17 minutes long. It has an unfair advantage because it is such a big sequence, but it just works. And if you had found a way to cut five minutes out of this, I think it still works. If you had ended this with the explosion before he jumps in the boat, I think it still works. And if you had ended this with him rappelling out of the window, you know, just grabbing a briefcase, I still think it works. I'll be talking about it after. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> But I can't disagree with anything you just said. I, I always felt uh, it should have ended, like, in terms of the way it seems, of him rappelling out the window. That, to me, is kind of, you know, a bit Bondian. That's where it ends. But I'm glad it didn't, and we'll find out about that soon. Um, number five, I've got Skyfall. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I even kind of like the way it sort of opens with, um, what's the guy called? Um, what about Mitch? Is it Mitchell? Like, we can't leave Mitchell behind. Yeah. Um, is it Mitchell? Is that like Adam? Adam or somebody like <laughs> James Bond cares? We talk, I remember we talked a lot about him, but no, not Mitchell. Um, but the, just the the car chase sequence, and you know, obviously, who's going to be Money Penny? <gasps> Spoiler alert! Um, and just it's just it's epic, and I love the motorbikes on top of the roofs and the train. Like I love the bit where the train bit falls off and it's kind of very much like adjusting the tie, but he adjusts his cufflinks as he's sort of walking on the train. Like, I love that. I've always said that with James Bond. Like, I love it when he kind of does like a bit of a thing like that, when he's just, you know, shit's falling around him and he can just manage to just adjust a bit of his clothing or something like that. Um, and yeah, I agree. Like, I think kind of that, that secret that we talked, I talked about tension before, uh, like the, the way that works on top of the train, it's like, take the shot, take the shot. And then kind of the way sort of that music just stops when you have the bullet, and the fall off the track. Was that, did we talk about that? Was that stunt actually performed? Did somebody actually fall off that bridge? Because uh, that looks I don't epic. remember. It, yeah, it is incredible. It, if it wasn't, like, it looks amazing. And if it was, like, props to the stunt person who did that. Like, it's an incredible shot. And I also am a fan of the way an opening sequence can transition into the titles. And I feel as though all of my top 10 pretty much really do transition. This is one, obviously, the famous one where it falls into the water and you hear the opening mm-hmm. um, bits of Adele. So, yeah, there's so much to love about this. So great. And I would probably agree with you if you were to talk about, like, iconic shots of James Bond, not just, like, the gunshot, like, actual filming shot. Like, this would probably be up there and maybe is the number one because it just... Just everything about it. I love a good moment in a movie where, like, one moment can just stop the music and you're like, your jaw is like, holy fuck. And I remember seeing this in the cinema going like, holy fuck. Um, you just killed James Bond. <laughs> like, so, yeah, Skyfall, it's a, it's an epic. Uh, and I, and I, I kind of say, I appreciate the fact that we're both going to have uh, a certain Daniel Craig movie higher than this. So Yeah. And it could end up being the average number one. I don't know. Like it seems that it's very similar to our villains one, where the average was basically between oh no, it was Skyfall. It was between Skyfall and Goldeneye. This mm-hmm. time around, it looks like it's going to be between Spectre, Goldeneye, and Spy Love Me. Spoiler alert: If you didn't work out what movies are still to come, <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. When we get to my number four, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but just to add on that, you know what I completely forgot about, which uh, it's not even like it's part of the pre-title sequence, but. Is there a better first shot in any James Bond movie than when Skyfall starts 
and you just see that blurry shot of Bond in the distance. And when he walks towards the camera, he comes into focus. Mm. It's just incredible. And Ronson is the guy he finds. Ronson. Not Ronson. <laughs> no, for Ronson. <laughs> Franklin James, no, for Ronson. <laughs> oh, Ronson. Oh. Uh, number four, this is going to make that top three all the more secure, Goldfinger. Um, I just want to say for the record, Goldfinger is one of these movies that I feel like there's a lot of these with these larger franchises where it's almost like you have to always rank this at the top. Like if you don't rank Goldfinger in your top three, you're an idiot. If you don't rank Goldfinger the villain in your top three, you're an idiot. Is If Odd Jobs not in your top three. If you don't rank Pussy Glore in your top three, you're an idiot. For the record, Pussy Glore will not be anywhere near my top three Bond girls. But <laughs> same thing with theme songs. And, and yet I, I kind of get annoyed with that where, where I find like people are always saying, oh, Goldfinger, 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 no matter what you're talking about. But yet I fall for it every time because I think Goldfinger was one of my top ranked songs and same thing here, and yet I can't even explain what is so good about the sequence because it's not like it's even a coherent sequence. It's just a bunch of gibberish thrown together in a not even like in a long, drawn out way the way the die another day has. We're gonna have surfing, then we're gonna have you know cars, and then we're gonna have hovercrafts, and then we're gonna have him getting captured. This is like okay, we're gonna script this. Bond comes out of the water. Sorry. A duck comes out of the water. No, it's James Bond with a duck hat. Now James Bond uses his grappling gun. He goes in. He blows up a heroin lab. He strips out of his thing. He changes it into a tuxedo. The explosion goes off. He goes back to his room. He almost has sex in the bath. A guy comes in. He sees the reflection in her eye. He kills him. He shocks them, positively shocking, throwing a heater in the tub. It's just it's, – it's all gibberish. There's There's no – common sense to it all and yet it is all so much fun and I, i'm actually really glad you put this as high as you did because if i remember right with the the gold finger theme song you didn't have it as high not that the theme song and the pre-title really correlate at all but i don't know if you're one of these people who's like who's so uh oh gold is overrated in any way but it's just for whatever reason this pre-title scene is not overrated in any way and yet there is nothing about this that really should work it, it, it's Maybe in some ways it's because it perfectly set the stage for what would become the pre-title scenes. From Russia with Love gave us the pre-title scene. It introduced an idea. This said this is what the pre-title scenes are going to be about. And can I just say, my favorite moment in this entire thing is when the explosion goes off and everybody is panicking. And Connery could have played it in a way where he's just not even reacting at all. But instead he has this reaction like, what was that? That's oh, probably nothing. <laughs> it's just so funny. Is this is Connery at his best? Like, in all honesty, the same way that Pierce Brosnan, I believe, is at his best as James Bond in for for your, uh, from for your eyes only uh, from from Russia with Love. Um, the world is not enough. Uh, even though I think that from Russia with Love is the best thing that Sean Connery ever did, I think that Sean Connery is at his best as James Bond in Goldfinger, and you get everything that's going to be great about him in one sequence here, and yet none of it makes sense. Yeah, I had this. Like, I, I I know what you mean in terms of, like you always kind of fall into that trap. It's a trap um, yeah. of all the of Goldfinger always being there. But like, yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I had the song a lot lower than all of you. That was one of the ones that you all went off at me for. Uh, I had it at eleven. I thought I had it lower than that. Um, there you go. I had eleven. You had it at uh, five, and Noah had it at eight. So it really wasn't that far away from Noah yet. Oh, ah, you're um, still an idiot. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Um, 
But yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, again, it's, it's a fucking duck on his head. Like, I just, I want that to be a trivia question. Like, in which James Bond movie did it start with James Bond <laughs> having a duck on his head? Like, that, that's something that people should know. <laughs> like, people go, what? There was a duck on his head? Um, oh, look, it's a duck on my head. He's <laughs> 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 in the script. Watch the scene with a duck on my head. You must be joking. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, you must be joking. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think I need to add anything. So yeah, we're into our top four. Uh, this is crazy. I don't think we've ever had such a one this close before, but it's good. See, Noah ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the one who put Goldfinger at 11. <laughs> Number four. Um, clang, clang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Clang, clang, clang. We always just have to start with that. The opening sequence, it's made iconic by Alan Parsons. <laughs> um, uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, Alan Partridge, not Alan Parsons. That was a band. What am I talking about? <laughs> Parsons. <laughs> the Alan Parsons Project. They were the responsible <laughs> for getting... Stop getting Alan Partridge wrong, Ben. Uh, <laughs> by the way, they are co-headlining with AHA this weekend in New Zealand. <laughs> That's, a, that's an awesome power thing, isn't it? We like to call it the Alan Parsons yeah. <laughs> I really want to live through the 80s. Trust me, I looked into it. All that happens is an oil spill and a flock of seagulls. That's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you talk about iconic opening sequences. I think the, the one that always generally springs to mind is the, the Union Jack um, parachute. I mean, it's an iconic James Bond sequence. They, when you came to the London Olympics and you had Daniel Craig with the Queen, what was the parachute? It was the opening, you know, of the Union Jack on the parachute. But it's far more than that to me. I mean, it's just the way we start off with the sub and uh, angry Russians. <laughs> I, I can't not talk about this and not think about that skit with some angry Russian shits with yellow piping. <laughs> <laughs> And we cut to Bond. He's with a lady. A little bit of bush. <laughs> so funny. Um, even the bit when like they cut to uh, M or whatever it is, and what, what does he say? Like, um, uh, where's Bond? It's like, oh, he's on a mission. Tell him to pull out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to like James Bond having sex. Um, and then it's like when he's oh I'm just gonna duck out for a mission, but I need you. So does England. Yeah. <laughs> so good, like that is James Bond. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's so incredible. Uh, and like I always forget, like you talk about Goldfinger, kind of you know it's all it's always there, and you kind of feel like you're you're always put into having it near the top. To me, Spy Love Me is like, it's the one that I always forget about how amazing it is. And it's like, you look at all our rankings, every part of this film always ends up near the top. The song, mm-hmm. you know, well, okay, maybe not the villain, but like the song, the movie, <laughs> like the, you know, the, the pre-title sequences, it's just so up there. I had the song as the greatest James Bond song of all time. And this is now number four on my list. And I, I really was going to have this in my top two, my top three. And then I kind of had to move around things because, you know, of other ones, but, oh, so good. And if you haven't heard the Alan Partridge opening <laughs> skit, then I suggest you look at a bit of bush, bit of bush. <laughs> just, just stop it. Stop it. Yeah, this, um, I think there's two or three movies here that we're going to consistently see at the top for everything. And eventually when we've done, 
I don't know, 10 of these rankings, we could just rank what is overall ranked the greatest James Bond movie, not just as a movie, but on all these different levels. Spy Who Loved Me, I wouldn't be surprised if it's easily number one on that. And I'll talk a little bit more about the opening sequence coming up because it still hasn't come up for me and we've only got so many left. But um, the movie itself, this is one of these reputations just it's improved over the years. And yet I remember seeing this for the first time more than 15 years ago. It was one of the last Bond movies I ever saw and I intentionally saved it for to be one of the last. And people could never say a single bad thing about it then. I mean, I remember asking some people, you know, what's your favorite James Bond movie? Like people would see more than me and they always, oh, Spy Who Loved Me. And yet somehow it's more popular now than it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Uh, this is just crazy. Uh, well, it's I'll, number one. I'll I, just, I just actually had to look here on our, because I, you know, you think we would remember what movie came out at number one on our average list yeah. when we ranked all the films, but it is. It is The Spy Who Loved Me. I had it at number mm-hmm. three. Noah had it at number one. You had it at number four. And yeah, it came out on top as our wow. number one film when we ranked them all. So I forget that. Like, that's crazy. Uh, my number three, uh, which I'm sure is going to be coming very soon from you, Goldeneye. Uh, this is, I, I think everything that works about The Spy Who Loved Me, you could say the same thing with this. It's just, it's it's so James Bond. It's It's ridiculous. And yet it's giving you something different like you've never seen before. Uh, you know, with with having Sean Bean in there and then another agent dying, and the, the fact that it takes place years earlier too, you know, it's just the perfect setup for a movie. Uh, and this is sort of what works about all the Brosnan ones, where you could separate into sections. You know, you have, you know, this section where it's just them in the factory, and and obviously him in the bathroom. Like that's such a great moment. Like the, very similar. Where that, with these top ones, we're really just running it over and over again. It's like, oh, and there's this, this one great moment. Whereas Early in the list, you're like, oh, yeah, there was that great moment in, you know, uh, the living daylights where uh, th- that guy ends up shooting the guy or, uh, you know, a view to a kill uh, him, <laughs> the, the waterbed or whatever, the the submarine. But here it's like one moment after the other. It's so great. You know, him and Sean Bean fighting side by side. Amazing. Uh, the standoff they have with the who's that Russian general guy. Oromov. Uh, Oromov, Yeah. Uh, Sean Bean dying. <laughs> this, this no, that never happens in a movie. Sean twice. Bean's so great, he can die twice in a movie. Like, that's what's so amazing about that man. Uh, and, and also just getting an actor that Bond, because usually in these pre-title scenes, you have minor actors. You never really have Bond playing off of somebody who's really good because these are disposable people. And having him and Sean Bean, like, it's such a noticeable difference to have these two guys who have very few scenes together getting to play off each other. And it, it makes such an impact at the beginning of the movie. And of course the plane stunt we see at the end is just insane and so memorable. And even I, I think that I went years without seeing this. Like it was the first bond movie I probably ever really watched, but it was tomorrow never dies. As we said, that, that got me into the bond series. And it was years before I even went back and rewatched GoldenEye. So in those years before I did it, it wasn't like I was so familiar with Bond where they stuck in my memory. I always remembered the opening sequence, and I probably wouldn't have remembered anything else other than the the ejection seat part that came up later on and maybe the satellite fight. But every moment of this opening sequence, when I watch it the next time, years later, I'm like, oh, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. Uh, it's, I'm sure you're going to be talking about it soon, but amazing. Like, uh, uh, This is that other movie that I think will always come up near the top of our lists. I'm going to talk about it right now because I have it at number three. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And, like, the thing I think, particularly for people of our sort of generation when we got into James Bond was, you know, like, it tied in well as well with the uh, the Nintendo 64 game and sort of, yeah. 
you, you know, where whereas like you could play this as a mission as well. So just everything about this is fantastic. It was the very first movie that really got me into James Bond. It's probably the one I've seen the most, as I've I said constantly. And you know, I really nearly had this at my number one overall, but obviously the world is not enough. Still trumped it when we got to it. But um, it, this is kind of to me, this is like Revenge of the Sith. Every time I watch it, I love it even more, no matter how much you know I know it back to front. And it's mm. just it's just fantastic. It's just such the perfect way to introduce a new James Bond, like the. Big pardon, forgot to knock, and just yeah. there's so many great things about it. Uh, it. Having Trevelyan in the opening scene with Sean Bean is incredible. Oromov, I still say those people got crushed by those uh, canisters and they're dead, but whatever. Um, and just the the jumping off the the thing with the plane, it's just the, and and also again the way it kind of blends into the opening of Goldeneye, the dun 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 dun, dun, dun like just. So, 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 so amazing. And um, just, yeah, GoldenEye, incredible. And it's, yeah, it's pretty much between this and The Spy Who Loved Me that's always at the top, I think, of our two. Like, on Majesty's Secret Service is always up there. Um, but I don't think, who was it? No, I don't know, kind of on average. They're, they're the kind of the three, except for this episode. Maybe. Is this is this your number three, then? That's my number three, yeah, so that's going to be... Oh, okay, um, so we match for the first we time. We do, <laughs> yes. Aw, love uh, and you're just one more thing to add on this. You know, we're glancing over all these things. It's such a brief moment at the beginning, but that bungee jump, like that was a real oh. thing. And that that brought back Still the insane record, isn't stunts. It? Yeah. And we had that. That's that what the Roger Moore series was built on. Like we're talking not even just the pre-title scenes, but Live, Live and Let Die started the whole boat jump. Let's set world records. And then Man with the Golden Gun, the, the car flip. Spy Who Loved Me, the, the Union Jack, the parachuting. Um moonraker the skydiving um there's always like something that's just a stunt you've never seen before and we missed that a lot in some of the later moors and then also you know uh in the timothy daltons and they're like we're gonna kick off this movie and do something nobody's ever done before so when you see it you're like okay james bond's really back and just that alone is so important like you said with introducing pierce Brosnan as bond you know with the forgotten to knock perfect introduction but that bungee jumping just to be like, well, James Bond's really back. We're not getting lazy anymore. You know, we're 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 going hundred percent on this. And I also like you talked a lot about when we did the Mission Impossible ones on the Oz Network, like IMAX and things like that. Imagine that shot when they kind of pan over the head of him oh. when he's about to jump off the thing in IMAX. Like that's scary enough on a like even on VHS before they kind of made it HD. Like it was, yeah, it's an incredible shot. And yeah, I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure it still is the world record for a bungee jump in a movie. And you can do that jump. Like didn't they do it in the Amazing Race? And we talk about this. I feel we talked about this. I think it was the mall. The mall, yeah, one of them. The mall, yeah, because it's in like Kazakhstan or somewhere like that, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. All right. Not so, Romania. <laughs> <laughs> not even France. Uh, they're, they're not cool enough to have a cool bungee jump. <laughs> if you've been keeping track so far, uh, my number two is going to give away what my number one is. <laughs> it's the only movie that we haven't talked about yet, which is crazy. So if you can't figure out what our number one is overall, then uh, you have not been following along. Um, uh <laughs> <laughs> or you're just really bad at math. I don't know. Uh, but number two, the spy who loved me. Uh, what else can you even add on this? Like it's 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 perfect. The same way that Goldfinger is perfect. It just it throws a bunch of garbage at you, and somehow <laughs> it works. Um, here you get an introduction to the plot of the movie where they hold back. So instead of the spaceship swallowing the spaceship, you get 
the tanker or whatever, the, the boat being swallowed by a boat, but they don't actually show it. And I think that's what what always kicks this off on such an intense level is you just have the captain looking through this periscope and going, oh, my God. And then it just cuts away from him before anything happens. So they're holding back there. Then you get this mission handed over to Agent Triple X. And you think you know who it is. And then, no, it turns out it's 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 the woman. It's not the man. This is Triple X or whatever. And then it cuts from there. And then you get James Bond, like you said, with the whole thing uh, with, uh, you know, he's uh, pulling out or whatever in <laughs> Switzerland. Where is it? Austria? Where is he? Uh, somewhere with snow. Snow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then him in the cabin. I mean, as somebody who's actually read the Spy Love Me book, uh, it's probably one of the few moments you actually get close to the Spy Love Me because it sort of ends in a cabin area. Uh, but yes, so does England. <laughs> it's just vintage Roger Moore. The ski chase is great too. I, this almost gets overshadowed by the one stunt that's to come. But that ski chase is incredible. It, it's kind of similar to the same things we saw in the climax of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's like a f- shot in first person, you know, going through all these little tunnels. Sometimes you're going underneath like these snow drifts, which is, just looks visually amazing. And the music, which, let's be honest, is cheesy disco, somehow works in this opening sequence. And then that jump, it's to this day, not even for just James Bond fans. If you did a poll on the internet, what is the greatest movie stunt of all time? I guarantee this most frequently will come up as the greatest stunt in movie history. And Tom Cruise has hung off of buildings and hung off of airplanes. <laughs> And yet this is still in some ways considered the greatest stunt in movie history. And just the restraint they had to say we're going to hold back on showing you some of the incredible things in the beginning of this movie so that this one stunt really stands out. And then to just have it be silent as he's soaring through the air. Mm-hmm. And then slowly as the parachute's opening, you hear the da da You only hear the Bond theme when you see that it's the Union Jack. It's just amazing. And when you know the behind-the-scenes story about this stunt – like. They're like, theoretically, we think we could do this, but we've never actually really done it before. (laughs) Let's roll cameras and hope nobody dies. Amazing. Uh, And I don't even think you need to have this opening stunt, but the opening stunt really sets this apart. And it doesn't feel like it dwarfs the other stuff in here. It's just it's it's the perfect like bookend to what otherwise was still great. An opening sequence similar to like the world is not enough. You don't need all the stuff on the end, but it's just it, there is no better way to end it than just with that one shot. And of course, it was made better by the Alan Parsons project. So that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also will correct myself. Uh, the Contra Dam is not in, uh, what did I say, Kazakhstan? It's in Switzerland. Often confused Switzerland uh, and Kazakhstan. And Romania. And, no, no one does that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they do, just nobody really cares. <laughs> yeah, I've seen postcards. Romania. Similar to Switzerland and Kazakhstan, yeah. <laughs> but not. Wish you were here. That's um, sort of like when people, you want to go to the beach? Come to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> if you only go to one beach this year, go to New Jersey. <laughs> I, uh, yep. uh, there's uh, a comedian I love. That's <laughs> completely off topic. This comedian I loved years ago where he was talking about tourism ads for Jersey. And it's like, I can just see all these people, you know, on vacation in you know, Bermuda, something like that. Oh, man, look at that. We could have been in Jersey. <laughs> what are we doing here? No, actually, I um, the last time I stayed in New York, I technically stayed in New Jersey because, like, I was on the um, other side of the river and, like, in this beautiful little part and, you know, great views of, of Manhattan. But um, from what I've seen of Jersey, not that bad. Um, he's in New Jersey, isn't he? Uh, probably. Um, one <laughs> we'll NFL game. Next month. 
The one NFL game I've been to was in New Jersey, and I survived. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the Jets lost. That's the sh- real tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I survived New Jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I've already talked about Spy Love Me. My number two, number two, um, which is going to be your number one for those not playing at home. Oh, uh, we're not is- going to mess with our own. Well, you know what my number... Come on, surely you knew what my number one was. Um, Sprechter. Sprechter, Sprechter. Which I love the fact, like... Spectre's a movie I feel that since it's come out, people are hating on it a lot more. We've talk- we have seem to talk about this a lot. Like, sort of when it came out, people are like, yeah, okay, it was fine. But nowadays, it just... It really seems to have dropped in opinion. People really seem to hate on Spectre, which, to me, it's still the best Daniel Craig movie. That's still my opinion. I Every time I rewatch Spectre... I appreciate it more. I really like Spectre. I probably even have it higher in my rankings now than we did when we first ranked it a couple of years ago. Um, but just this opening sequence, I mean, this is all in the trailers. I think we talked a lot about this in our 827 episodes of this, of the helicopter stunt and just everything along those lines. But there's just something about this opening sequence which is incredible. And just the, even the way it starts with, like, text and, like, yeah, I'm the one who's complaining about, like, oh, it's a different opening sequence. But we finally get the gun barrel. I remember sitting in the cinema with Noah when that came up and I was like, ah, uh, and then even the way it kind of just goes quiet and what is it, the dead are alive or whatever the opening sequence says. And just that opening shot, the way it kind of like, you know, sweeps through the crowd and you just get that shot of Daniel Craig, James Bond with the mask on and the way they walk through it and goes up into the hotel with the woman. Yes, he's with a lady. Um, and just through everything and the chase and the sequence and the Zocalo Square and download our episode where I was lucky enough to go there. It was fantastic. Um, and so iconic was this... Uh, Day of the Dead festival that a year later Mexico City were like, hey, we should actually do this, and they did. Um, so yeah, it's 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 absolutely crazy. The stunt work is amazing. the The music is great. The flip of the helicopter, and yeah, kind of it's a bit odd when he's flying through the city looking at the ring and they're. Like, um, I still think the thing that would have made it better is he should have, like, gotten out of the helicopter and gone back into the woman's room and said something like, I told you I'd just be popping out for a moment yeah. or something like that. Like, <laughs> that would have been very James Bond. But, um, oh, so iconic. And, like, I'm, I'm happy that you're going to have this at number one because I think you said that in our episode. This maybe is the best opening sequence in the history of James Bond. And recency bias, I don't think that's the thing because I have it at number two. And I think most Bond fans would agree that this is an absolutely fantastic opening sequence. Like recency bias is a real thing, and that's why I'm always hesitant to include something like this. Like if we were to do a rankings episode uh, this time next year for anything, I probably would exclude Bond whatever. Bond. Yeah, exactly. You'd exclude it. Because... <laughs> no, that's number one, Colin. That's my number one. Oh well, one. no, but <laughs> but like the way they brought back it's... all the previous actors and made it work, like God oh, well, damn came and when Lazenby came out and he shot Connery and then Moore came out from the dead, the corpse, and he shot Lazenby and then oh. Dalton tried to shoot Moore and he couldn't do it. <laughs> and Brosnan won everything and he's James Bond again. So Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, and Idris Elba, and then, what a pussy. Idris Elba came out and he was too blonde. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, this is my chance to talk about Spectre, but like, I, I there always have certain reactions to stuff like we we covered uh, Attack of the Clones, which you know for the Oz Network, which hasn't come out yet, but we just finished talking about it. I remember the time being like, you know, this this is like the most entertaining Star Wars movie I've ever seen, and I don't think it's as good now, although I still love it. But you have those reactions when it's the first time you've ever seen it, and then some movies get better with age, and then some of them get worse with age, and you never know. Some of them just stay the same. 
you never really know what it's going to be. Uh, I'm not saying this movie has gotten better with age because uh, I actually think it's maybe slipped a little bit for me. I don't know when we did our rankings what I had Spectre at. Can you can you look it up right now? Uh, I do believe I have it open. Give me two seconds and I will give you an answer. Because I, I feel like I saw this the first two times. So I saw it twice in theaters and I enjoyed it, although I was 13. critical of it. 13. Okay, what was 14? Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, you I would rank the this lowest. lower now. So you've yeah. got and it 13th, I would... no or 11th. I had it at 7th. Yeah, I would rank this lower now because um, I've tried to watch this movie in the last year twice. And both times I was in love with everything they did until about halfway through the movie. And I don't think I finished it in the last two times I've started watching it. It gets somewhere around when Blofeld gets introduced. And I love Christoph Waltz's Blofeld. There's no knock against him. But once they really reveal him as Blofeld and they have that torture scene, there's nothing wrong with the movie. It's just it's such a step down. But this pre-title scene, when I saw this the very first time, as soon as the movie ended, I remember saying that may be the greatest pre-title scene they've ever done. And I said the same thing when I heard Skyfall for the first time. That may be the greatest song I've ever heard. And my opinion never changed. And my opinion hasn't changed on this. The sequence is perfect. It is the most perfect thing they've ever done. Because it has everything. They nailed the comedy. For the first time in the Craig movies, they got the comedy right. Uh, with the couch gag and you know the, him po- popping out for a minute. Um, the whole mood and atmosphere. I mean, it feels so different from James Bond. It feels like this crazy Sam Mendes thing with the one tracking shot that goes on forever, which just forget about how technically complicated that is to pull off. It looks incredible. And yet once they do start cutting away from that single shot, it just gets better with the explosion, you know, with James Bond with the gun and then the giant explosion, you know, the building falling apart around him, the helicopter chase, forget about the helicopter flip. That entire chase is amazing. How much of it just makes you feel like you're there. Uh, and the song of course had to ruin it in the end, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, Still, I'll say, The Spy Who Loved Me, I could probably come up with one or two little minor things, not our complaints, but that would hold it down. One or two minor things with Goldeneye, Goldfinger, World's Not Enough that hold it down. I can't think of one thing with Spectre that isn't, like, absolute perfection. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I've got it number two. So, um, yeah. So it's I'm number one. Number one, the world is not enough. Um, just like it's my number one James Bond movie. Uh, I said it during the thing. This is, you know, my favorite opening sequence as well. Uh, like, I agree with when you said, like, it's maybe goes for a bit long, but at the same time, it, there's so much happening that you just, you kind of almost forget how long it goes for. And that when the opening sequence happened, uh, the opening credits, you're like, oh, crap, yeah, it's a James Bond movie. That's going to happen. Um, but just, I, I just love everything from the, 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 the bank sequence you know, what is this like? Can you check my figures? Oh, I'm sure your figures are mm. just fine. Just things like that. And then just going into um, the the scene at MI6 and then, you know, when he gets the boat and then Q, wait, wait, it's not finished. <laughs> <laughs> just, and the way it like jumps out of the building with a and lands on the water and just incredible chase sequence. And just the, the tie adjustment under the water is maybe one of my favorite things in all of James Bond. If we were just mm-hmm. to rank random moments in James Bond that we love, that's probably in my top five i just love it that just sells so much of pierce brosnan and just everything and then but like you you do kind of get that real intrigue later on like you know when she's on the balloon and it's kind of like you know wait wait i can help you you know i can save you not from him and then like blows it up and 
kind of him falling down the esteemed Millennium Dome that doesn't exist anymore and things like that. Like, it's just, everything about it is just so incredible. I, every time I watch it, I just get so excited for it and just, it sets up to me what is the best James Bond movie of all time as well. So, ah, just amazing, incredible, love it. And yeah, that as soon as we, you said we're doing this list, the first thing I did was put number one, well, it's not enough. So yeah, easy. And is it easy to work out what our average ranking is here if we're going well, 23 like, to 1? Lucky for you, Colin Hilding, <laughs> I have got Microsoft Excel, proud sponsors of the Oz Network, uh, open next to me <laughs> uh, with the formula, which has been ruined since Noah um, <laughs> had to change the formula. But uh, if you bear with me, um, I will sort these out. And there, there's going to be the way, I, this, ties well, on, you're- so. I was going to say, while you're doing that, to break any ties, Noah just gave his rankings. It is 23, Diamonds Are Forever, 22, You Only Live Twice, 21, The Man with the Golden Gun, 20, The Living Daylights. Um, I'm reading my rankings in case you hadn't caught on. That's not how you weren't actually typing this out as I read it. I'm not laughing. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a really rough little thing here, because there's a couple with ties, so I might have to move these around, whichever had the highest ranking overalls. Okay, so... 23, easily, with an average of 22.5, is Diamonds Are Forever. And, of course, people, these will change. Like, if Noah does submit rankings, we'll put the real ones up on our website. So, yep. Uh, you Only Live Twice uh, in 20, in the next spot. Uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Without Excel formulas, he can't even count down from 23 to 22. There's lots of numbers involved here, all right? Like... <laughs> I didn't. I went to school a long time ago. Um, all right, okay. So in twenty second, we have you only live twice. Uh, in twenty first is for your eyes only. Twentieth uh, is a view to a kill. Nineteenth, the man with the golden gun. Eighteenth, quantum of solace. Seventeenth, octopusy. Uh, then we have a tie. Uh, oh, actually, this is a very difficult tie to break because uh, living daylights and live and let die both have an average of fourteen, and we both. I ranked Living Daylights 8, you ranked it 20th, you ranked Live and Let Die 20th, I, ra- oh, sorry, I ranked Live and Let Die 20th, you ranked it 8th. So, like, it's exactly the same. We don't have a highest one there, so cool. Um, it, well, then we have another tie, but License to Kill would take it because they've got a higher ranking overall. So, Thunderball is at 14th, uh, License to Kill 13th. Uh, then we have a three-way tie here, but no, Moonraker would go... Moonraker, Cinder Royale, and From Russia with Love are all tied on an average of 13, but Moonraker would get the highest spot because that had a higher ranking at 9, and then Cinder Royale and the other one would be uh, tied. <laughs> Fuck, I'm just... Whatever. Um, <laughs> in 10th, From Russia with Love. Uh, in 9th, Tomorrow Never Dies. In 8th, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, seventh, die another day. Look at die another day, average. <laughs> wow, go you, good thing. Um, six is Skyfall, fifth, Goldfinger. Uh, four, well, there's a three way tie here between The World Is Not Enough, Gold, and I Spy Who Love Me, but World Is Not Enough would get the highest spot because that got a number one ranking, and then Spy Who Love Me would be next because that got a number two ranking. But that doesn't make sense because Gold and I should be third because we both ranked a third. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and number one is Spectre. <laughs> so, Does so that make sense? to recap, uh, if you'd like to know our overall rankings, 
wait to see it on the website. <laughs> and this episode has been brought to you by Microsoft Excel. <laughs> Uh, admittedly, I've got Microsoft Excel XP edition, so uh, <laughs> I think maths have improved in 18 years. So I think. Uh, I mean, it's fair to say you know, our top sixes are pretty much complete matches. Yeah. Uh, we know which ones are near the top, we know which ones are near the bottom. It'll be much easier once we've got Noah's rankings, so that's still to come. That's it. We've ranked the pre title scenes. Um, we are still waiting on Rossi, who's one of our co-hosts on the Oz Network, who has just rewatched all the James Bond movies and uh, uh, compared it to our rankings. Uh, I don't know. I think he actually listened to some of the Double Oz Seven recaps and has some we're sorry, comments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna be sorry when we see have Octopussy at number one. Uh, maybe oh. not. We don't know yet. But uh, we're hoping he's gonna finish with his rewatch of all the James Bond movies and be here next week for that. In the event he isn't. What do we want to do next? Do we want to do another rankings or do we want to do a commentary? I think we do a commentary. They're, they're pretty easy to do, aren't they? Um, did we we did we decide on Spectre as the commentary? No. I think we did, didn't we? Uh, no, it's... Um, isn't it... No, it's a... Ooh, it's... We did find out what it was at the end. Was it You Only Live Twice or Thunderbolt? It was Thunderbolt. It was Thunderbolt. It was Thunderbolt. Was it? Okay. It was well, we'll go back and listen. <laughs> we'll yeah. find out. <laughs> well, I'm know excited for Thunderball. <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure it was Thunderball just because I think we were like, oh, we should do a Connery movie because we just yeah. did Diamonds Are Forever. I don't fucking <laughs> know. All right. We'll just do whatever we want to. It's, we're the hosts. <laughs> um, so we'll be back in another month, roughly, to uh, bring you the next 007 episode, whatever that may be, with or without Noah. Um, as always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, do we have Instagram yet? No? Nah, not for double. Follow, follow the Oz Network. James Bond fans Instagram. don't have Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig does, uh, just not James Bond fans. Uh, Kerry Fu- Fukunaga wrists. does, but Kerry <laughs> Fukunaga has it. Um, Fukunaga. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we're going to have more talk as details start coming out beyond daniel craig breaking his leg for bond 25 or breaking his hip or whatever comes next did he do it doing so, a stunt and just get up and keep going on like tom cruise like <laughs> come on daniel craig you're james bond like can I actually one thing funny with daniel craig um recently the british grand prix was on and sort of before each formula one race they you know on the grid they generally have like celebrities will kind of like you know try and mingle with the drivers and Daniel Craig was there because uh, one of the teams, Red Bull, had some 007 logos on it because they're sponsored by Aston Martin. And so there's a one of the commentators does what's called his grid walk, and he just goes up to people and talks to them before the race. And he'll try and get, like, celebrities. And, like, there was a really famous one. He tried to get to talk to Mariah Carey, and basically Mariah Carey's publicist, like, pushed him away and was like, fuck off. Um, whereas, so, like, he, he gets there and he's like, oh, I've been told not to approach Daniel Craig, but I'm going to anyway. So he just, he just walks straight up to Daniel Craig live on TV with a microphone. I gotta say, Daniel Craig was the nicest fucking I've ever seen him ever been. So like, this guy was just basically like, "Oh, hello, Martin with Sky Sports," and Daniel Craig just held his hand, shook his hand, like, "Hello, pleasure to meet you. How how are you? How can I help you?" And basically, he's like, "Oh, so what are you doing here today? Oh, I've never been to a Grand Prix before, and oh, I'm really excited, and you know, I'm really looking forward." Like, he was just so goddamn nice, and I'm like, "Eh, I like you a little bit more, Daniel Craig, after seeing you be that way." So, screw his publicist. Daniel Craig will talk on live TV if he wants to. It, it took a television interviewer. <laughs> getting a nice reaction out of the man for Ben to appreciate him as James Bond. Five Sorry. movies. Sorry. <laughs> 13 years. <laughs> but, oh, hey, nice to meet you, buddy. <laughs> That's all it took. I, just, I still want to um, drag some cheese on him, but, like, you know, like... 
Uh, anyways, like us on Facebook and Twitter. We don't do that Instagram thing. <laughs> <laughs> Since they remove the likes from Instagram, we don't. We need you know. We we see the listens. We, that's all the love we get. We don't need you to like our posts. That's right. Well, actually, please we do. do please, listen. please do like and listen. <laughs> please, I can't sleep until I see that at least two people listen. Please like us. Please. And I'm begging we, you. We promise we won't kill anybody between now and the time I we come back. I do love you, Romania. Like I really do. <laughs> you yeah, had that gymnast. Who, what's her name? Uh, Nadia Comaneci. Like she was really good. Rene Russo, she's probably from somewhere near Romania, right? And that other famous Romanian thing that everyone talks about, it's great. Transylvania? Bucharest is a great city, I've heard. It's got lots of buildings and stuff. Has Bond ever been to Romania? Probably not. Uh, No one's been to Romania, but I hear it's really good. Bond for Romania, Bond 26. Uh, anyways, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you can find us. Um, my name is Colin, and it was at 8th or 7th, and Live and Let Die was 19, at, somewhere around there. Thank you, Microsoft Excel. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and hi, it looks like you're trying to type a letter. I'm a paperclip assistant. You should go to Romania. <laughs> <laughs>
another day. I actually love everything we see here.